3: if you
2: dare.
0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Radio.
5: Welcome in, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Saturday. For the first time in a few weeks, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, both of us getting in a little vacation time because... Football is coming fast, Jason Martin. We're going to get to Kyler Murray. We're going to get to a lot of stuff across the college space over the course of the next four hours. But first and foremost, how are you? Did you enjoy your last Saturday off? Uh, I was off two Saturdays ago. I hope you had a good one last week, whatever you were doing.
6: Yeah, it was a good time. We uh, It was my wife's med school reunion. So, med school. uh, I got to meet some of those folks. Hey, man, those are people that do things for a living. I know. Like we talk about sports and all this stuff. and You're around those people, and it's just like – when the doctor conversation begins, I'm Homer Simpson retreating into the ivy. Sure. Everything just all of a sudden is like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be the meme right now. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be – and then they're like, oh, but your job. Like, yeah, yeah, my job. Um, any stores around here maybe I could go visit over the next couple of hours? But, no, it was a great time and played with a golf, had a good time. And then tonight – I literally just got home 20 minutes ago or whatever from the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame 2022 induction banquet, which is the first one they've been able to run in three years because of COVID. So it was three classes being inducted, including Javon Kirst, Jeff Fisher, Vanderbilt baseball manager Tim Corbin, uh, D'Angelo Williams, the greatest running back in Memphis history, like a bunch of folks. So
5: there was a there was a lot of sports happening in my universe today as well. So, why – were you there for anybody specific? Uh, what, what was the scoop there? What, uh, the no, Tennessee. I was just invited. I was oh, you just invited. invited. I mean,
6: it takes place at the Omni Hotel in Nashville. So, I mean, the Hall of Fame uh, invited me and Ramon and our producer. And uh, we were there three years ago when Peyton Manning went in. And the uh, director at Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame used to be my program director, Um here in Nashville on the day-to-day show and he stepped up into that role and they've been nice enough to uh, we just had a good relationship with them. It's a really solid organization. The uh, head of it's Philip Fulmer, as a matter of fact. Oh, so we're going to talk about Philip Fulmer lot. on there's today's show. On. Yeah, I know. I know we are. <laughs>
5: we are going to talk I about. I know
6: that we are.
5: We are going to talk about Phil Fulmer and some stuff that happened at Tennessee here in a little bit. But uh, let's get into it, Jason. I'm sure you talked about it on your weekday show with Ramon Foster. Uh, it was a busy week in the NFL. Uh, training camps are basically here. A couple teams have reported. Everybody will report by the end of the week. And of course, the big story of the week uh, was that we have another very well-compensated quarterback. Kyler Murray, of course, is the guy that I'm talking about. Arizona Cardinals signs a contract that will pay him 230 million dollars over the totality of his career, over to- totality of the, the contract, I should say. Uh, unlike Deshaun Watson, it is not fully guaranteed, but there is an awful lot of guaranteed money 160 million or so. He's going to make an annual salary of about $46 million a year, which puts him behind only Aaron Rodgers in terms of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, First reaction, again, I'm sure you talked about it during your weekday show, but uh, another star quarterback breaks the bank. Uh, I have some thoughts, but you go ahead. Go first, Jason.
6: Well, I mean, I've talked to you before uh during our time together about information that i had heard from former teammates of kyler murray and people in arizona that really it just the way that they talked about him was not flattering in terms of leadership in terms of last one in first one out aloof all of those kinds of things and now that's all been said publicly by many many people in our industry i think that eventually a quarterback has to come along where the market resets instead of just Ooh. continuing to break the bank upwards for the next guy. I don't think this was the one. I think this was go- this was inevitable. This was going to happen whether or not it was here or if somebody else was going to pay him exorbitant money. Dude's got all the talent in the world. Now that you've paid him, though, I need to see those things that I had kind of heard over the last few years that have trickled in and out. Those kinds of things need to disappear now. Like Once you've gotten paid, once the team has basically said, all right, you're our guy. Now you got to go do that. Like you've got to be a leader, which we have not really seen and you've kind of heard the opposite. And now you got to go win playoff games because there're a whole lot of quarterbacks. Look, there's another one that's that's trying to get paid right now that has struggled in the playoffs in Lamar Jackson. Lamar, I think is worth more to me at least than Kyler Murray is. Kyler at this point I'm going to need to see what happens from this point on. I'm going to give him the opportunity. He's still a very young guy. A lot of young guys are immature. A lot of guys grow into that role, find their footing, all of that. He's a different guy. That's very obvious. He comes from a different cloth. But at the same time, Aaron, what, what were the Cardinals really supposed to do yeah. here? There was no what what was the other option? Who was going to play quarterback for them? What was better out there than Kyler Murray for the Arizona Cardinals right now? If they think the only the only the only way I would answer that question differently is if I didn't think that or if I if I thought my team was absolute trash and had no chance to do anything. And this year I don't think they're a contender at all. I mean, I think Hopkins being out pretty much knocks they're gonna be behind the eight ball long before he comes back in a division that's still got two awfully good football teams in it, along with Seattle, who's terrible. But I think that's the big thing. Is just I'm not the biggest fan, and I need him to show me something at this point in time in terms of the leadership that needs to come from the quarterback position. But I also understand why Arizona did this, especially before the salary cap continues to grow up and explode with the television deal. And this deal actually looks more favorable two years from now than it does right now.
5: Yeah. So it's really interesting because I think my initial thought when I heard it, I just kind of moved on to the next thing. It it wasn't anything that really resonated with me um, because my first thought was, well, of course he's going to get paid. You, You pay all these guys. And I I do think there's an element to like. The Cardinals really didn't have any better option, and it's not as though there's some like crazy successful franchise where they can play hardball. Um, you know, he is by a lot of tangible measurements probably the best quarterback that they've really ever had homegrown. I know Kurt Warner, uh, you know, had a couple good years as a, as a veteran, you know, addition late in his career, but in terms of homegrown, as weird as it sounds, like I think you can make a legitimate argument he's probably the best that they've ever had. So I get that element of it. But I also do think a couple things. One, I am fascinated as to when that breaking point is going to be in terms of the the organization that just says you're really good, but you're not that guy. We can't give you that money. Maybe we saw a little bit of that with Baker Mayfield yes. this past uh, offseason. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what would have happened, um, you know, if Deshaun Watson did not become available, and they, they it, you know, or if Deshaun Watson had just picked another team. I mean, there was obviously other teams that were interested in him, but. I just bring it up to say, this would have been the one where it would have been interesting if if the team had you know not just kind of said no 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 no, but kind of held the line in the sand because what I do find interesting about this one is, is it's exactly what you said, Jason. Is you're not paying a guy forty six million dollars a year, and I, again I understand that this is the market for star you know star caliber NFL uh, quarterbacks coming into uh, you know coming off of their rookie contracts, but you look at this situation. I mean, Kyler Murray. Um, terrible in the playoffs last year uh, you know i not i just i look at it as a few things one is he a guy that can win you a super bowl because i don't think that he is uh he's worn down the last couple seasons late as the season has gone on you know putting aside the cliff kingsbury his teams generally fall apart as it is late in the season but uh you know small injury prone and And then on top of that, you have those leadership things, and that was one thing that struck with me. Stuck with me on Thursday was the idea of kind of that old cliche that everybody says is like, you know, money doesn't change people; it makes you more of what you already are. And so to to think about the leadership questions, the durability questions, um, where is he in the pecking order? No, he's not in the bottom half of the NFL, but I don't don't think he's in the top. You know. I don't know, top five, six, seven, eight of the the best quarterbacks in the league. It's just one of those, I get why the Cardinals did it, but I also sit back and say, man, oh man, oh man, Uh, this could have been one where I I wouldn't have been surprised if the team decided to play a little bit more hardball.
6: Yeah, look, I I think he's outside the top ten right now. I agree. in terms of quarterbacks without looking at it and trying to figure it out just in my head. I know he was he was in that 8-10 to 10 range probably last year. Now he's outside the top 10 for me. Even though they started out 8-0 last year and looked apart, uh, it fell apart the way it always does for Cliff Kingsbury and seemingly for Kyler Murray, both for Kingsbury in college and Kyler Murray certainly in the pros. I just don't like the makeup of, of that team. Um, last year I liked it a lot better than I do – this year and now you don't have hopkins i i I don't mind what they did in terms of the draft and the talent that they got there and getting hollywood brown who doesn't have to be a number one potentially or maybe there was a baltimore problem there and brown's going to be able to emerge that would be you know that that would be intriguing to see do i think kyler could win a super bowl do i think he's got the talent to win a super bowl yes do i think a whole lot of things have to go right for that to happen yes like if i had to bet it now no i don't think kyler murray is a super bowl quarterback i don't um i think his size i think his i don't know he's there are guys aaron in sports that you really want around you when things are going well but they're the last person you really want if things are going poorly sure it seems like one of the things that's happened in kyler murray's career throughout is when they start to fall apart late um everything starts to go poorly but then if you don't have those leadership intangibles that's when they really come into clear it's like when things aren't going well you need somebody that can galvanize the troops I don't think Kyler Murray has proven to be anywhere near that guy to this point in his career. I want to see him prove me wrong because I've seen the skill set. I've seen the highs. I've also seen a lot of mediocrity and a lot of reasons to like a lot of other guys in this league and feel a little bit more comfortable with them leading my football team than Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray getting the money basically because he's the next guy in line that's a franchise-level quarterback for a team And then what choice did they have? That's the annoying thing about sports is it shouldn't be next in line. It should be you're worth what you're worth. Like whenever it comes up, that's what you should get. That's just not how it seems to work in the NFL. But, again, with where salaries may be three years from right now, I'll be curious to see – How bad this deal looks in a couple of years. I don't think it's going to lead them to much this year. I think that's a team that's not making the playoffs this year. And so, if you paid that quarterback that kind of money to give you a nine and eight record, I don't know that that was money well spent. But I also just don't know what the other option was. Like, what else? You tell me, Aaron. What exactly was Arizona going to do?
5: No, there was no better option, and that's why you know it's just it's one of those. Again, it's why I don't think that I really had an initial reaction because not only is he the next guy in line, but again, it is an organization where um, it, it's it's been pretty bad. I mean, it's been pretty bad through the years, and they've tried a lot of different things. Um, he is a better alternative to anything else that is reasonable for them, unless you know somehow they traded him or something and bottomed out, which doesn't really happen in the NFL. So, I get it. I just think it's an interesting deal just from the perspective of you know, this felt like this could have been a guy that you played a little bit more hardball with, but Kyler Murray gets paid. Coming up, another quarterback uh, in the news, Deshaun Watson. He reported training camp today. I think the question becomes now what happens next for Deshaun Watson? We'll discuss that next. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. Fox Sports Radio.
7: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Fox
5: Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. By the way, you want to tweet into the show, feel free to let us know what you think about the world of sports at Aaron underscore Torres at Jmart Mart Radio. Uh, busy week. You know, Jason, it's it's a busy week and it really was even I think like two or three weeks ago that we were like, wow, you know, football's going to be here before you know it. Enjoy summer while you can. Well, football is here. Uh, We've had a few teams already report to training camp. Everybody will be at training camp uh, by the end of the week. And the big news today from the NFL was that one Deshaun Watson did, in fact, report to training camp. He reported with, I guess, quarterbacks and rookies reported today in Cleveland. Um, Veterans will report later this week. But Deshaun Watson is in training camp as this inquiry continues to go on. Uh, I think there was some thought that maybe uh, yesterday, in in a Friday news dumpish type type note, uh, that we could get some closure or some clarification on what Deshaun Watson's suspension would be. We still don't know. Obviously, by now. Everybody knows twenty-four accusers. Deshaun Watson settled twenty of those cases. There are still four civil suits pending. He has met with the NFL's uh, private investigator or or you know independent investigator Sue Robinson. She should be coming down with a verdict soon. First of all, you have any feel for you I mean, this thing's gotta get wrapped up pretty soon here, probably the next week week or so, right? I mean, we're getting pretty close to, to go time here, so
6: Yeah, I mean I thought yesterday made a lot of sense. I think by next Friday or by this coming Friday, it has to be done. Like the Browns, not that I have any sympathy for them, and it's not like they deserve any kind of special treatment, but they do have to figure out who can play quarterback for them. They have to figure out how, what their situation is. They do the Josh Rosen thing, which I'd like to see that work out because I just feel like that guy's gotten a real crap deal in the NFL sure. throughout his career. But, you know, Deshaun's showing up at camp. I don't know what else. I guess I don't know what else he's supposed to do. Um, we know he's going to get suspended. I saw the Florio thing like everybody else. Browns are bracing for an eight-game suspension. If that's all if it, that's all he gets, uh, I may go nuclear because it just seems like at this point, all right, so what do you have to do to be actually suspended for a season at that point in time um, from the optics and how long this has taken? But we're getting to the point where it's actually an albatross sitting over the NFL season. It's not going to hurt their business at all, but – we need to get this out of the way so we can start thinking about football so that we can actually start talking about what's going to happen in these divisions. We already know this situation. Let's, let's find out how long he's out. Let's determine what's going to happen here and let's move on because uh, maybe I'm speaking just for myself in this case, but I don't think so. Aaron, I'm tired of this.
5: Me too, yeah.
6: I'm so sick of this story. I'm sick of all this. I'm sick of talking about it because there's no good. No one wants to sit and listen to the details of this for very long, and no one wants to get into the legal stuff all that much either for very long. And it's just like there's nothing new here. Like we're, we're just treading over the same ground over and over again. They've got to get this thing behind them. Luckily, now we have everybody going to camp. Now we can start doing division previews. Now we can actually start to look to the season. But this this one thing is still just sitting there hanging over this league, and they've got to cut this cord.
5: So I agree with everything you said. Um, and, I, you know, I just think it's going to be really interesting. Um, it, it's one of those where, where I feel like, first of all, I, I'm totally on board with Everybody knows the details by now. I think everybody. The, the other thing too with this, Jason, is I think there are there have been examples where there's off the field stuff where I think there's. Re, how do I say this correctly? I want to make sure that I. When you have twenty four accusers, mm-hmm. at, at a certain point, like I think we've all kind of accepted that Deshaun Watson is not a hundred percent innocent of being there's something not right here, right? Like like there have been some times where it's, it's he said versus she said it's one accuser versus uh, somebody that says they're completely innocent. And, and you can see the argument where, okay, this doesn't look good, but I can see that other person's, uh, I could see the argument where maybe that person didn't do what, what he or she was accused of. This is one where, I, I think I've said it on these airwaves, and again, I want to be careful. Innocent until proven guilty. You know, no, no, no criminal charges brought by by the district attorneys. I get all that. I don't think anybody feels like nothing happened. That that mm-hmm. there's 24 individual people making up lies, and so I think that's part of it too. And it's interesting because I guess what I would ask is. I think the NFL's in kind of a weird spot, and and from the situation that it sounds like, I know you said eight games, Florio said, uh, reported that there might be something in the neighborhood of eight games, but there's also been conflicting reports that Sue Robinson, the the independent investigator, is hesitant to give out too much because there are no criminal charges. And it was funny because uh, producer Bo and I were talking before the show about uh, Goodell, you know, he has this weird history where Ray Rice, it wasn't enough but then a lot of people think that he overstepped his bounds with Zeke Elliott Um, you know Tom Brady is obviously a completely different issue I'm certainly not comparing it but a lot of people obviously believe he overstepped his bounds with Tom Brady and so I think whatever we get it's going to be weird because of the fact that I think there's going to be a certain segment of people that say there was no criminal charges um, you know whatever but I think there's going to be a lot of people that say what what I just said I don't want to put words in your mouth but what I just said it's clear something happened that isn't cool and isn't kosher and i think that that unless it's it's an extraordinary suspension the likes of which i don't think we're expecting at this point i think there's going to be a huge part of the football population that isn't comfortable with what comes out
6: yeah I, i think there's i definitely think that there is something to the way this is coming down for the nfl but i would just say this this isn't the one to like try to get your own optics right I this agree. is the one where you have to do the right thing. This is what you, where you have to. It, I, I don't care about that segment of society that says, "Well, he hasn't been charged with anything." Well, right, he's not going to jail. That's 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 a different standard here. This is about a business. I might not go to jail but i might have done something that really harmed my company and so they're probably still going to do something to me anyway sure the burden of proof is different the everything about it is completely different like i understand yes he was not charged all of these other kinds of things we don't know exactly the reasoning behind all of that we also know there's been a lot of settlements and all these other kinds of things that are going on we also know that he is definitely tarnished and and if he is tarnished what bigger stars are there in the NFL than quarterbacks? How many guys that aren't quarterbacks are the faces of their respective franchises? I mean, really like I, I, I would have to sit here and actually really stop and think of any of them. I remember at one point, the Texans, it would have been JJ Watt, but there've been, I mean, there are a couple of examples, maybe, but your not tight Titans with Derek Henry,
5: but there's yeah. Not okay. Very many. Yeah. But that's there's not good very one. many.
6: No, but that's, that's accurate. That's a good one. Um, so there, I mean, there are examples, but not a lot of them. But if you're if you're Deshaun Watson, you just got all this money guaranteed. You're the face of the Cleveland Browns. Like there's no there's no one else even remotely close, especially with Odell not being there the star power i don't care about you know miles garrett's a star but miles garrett's not the face of your franchise deshaun watson's the face of your franchise thereby he's a very important representative and ambassador of the entire national football league if you're roger goodell and you're the nfl you have to look at this and be like we can't just slap this on the wrist it doesn't matter like you can go back and talk about ray rice you can talk about zeke you can talk about kareem hunt you can talk about all of the things that have gone down this ain't the one to try and make a certain segment happy. Somebody's going to be unhappy anyway. I'm going to be – I'm just going to – with everything that we have heard, and no one believes that none of this happened. Well, I, I disagree. Well, I'll disagree with myself. There are people that probably do, but they are few and far between. Some stuff went down here. These, these ladies, as Jeff Schwartz has told me before, it's not like they all called each other – got on a text chain, and came up with a story that they all said. Almost all of them said similar things. We know there are issues here. We know that there are problems here. The NFL needs to remember that half of its audience are female. It's the one sport in America that has a large women audience, that has the entire family watching. They cannot get this wrong. And the only way you get this wrong is by being too lenient with the suspension. It's not about a warning shot to the rest of the NFL – A warning shot to other players. This is about, hey, this is wrong. We're not going to tolerate this in our league. Um, We are going to put the hammer down. That's what I feel like it needs to be. And I say that to then say this, I don't – I increasingly don't believe that's what it's going to be.
5: So I want to continue the conversation about what it could be, what it should be, what it will be. We'll discuss all of that next before we do that, I do want to bring in Steve DeSager. See what's trending. What's up,
8: Sager? Hello, gentlemen, back together again. Are you we, had we just... are. for one whole week? <laughs> yeah, one whole week.
6: What? Get what's next week? It? So Tilwar I forgot to tell you and DeSager, you'll hear this too. SummerSlam is in Nashville next Saturday. Oh. Night. Uh, so we're hosting a bunch of listeners. I'm actually hosting I'm hosting FSR at five AM oh. next Saturday, and then we're doing the SummerSlam thing with WWE on Saturday night at Nissan Stadium. So that will actually be the the last show that I miss.
8: So it's, it's work, is what you're saying.
6: It is work, yes. I
8: Go gotta back work. Torres just
6: gets dead
5: silent. No, I gotta pay the bills. I, I was it. thinking
8: of your prior comments of like comparing your job to doctors. So, yeah, so
5: SummerSlam. Hey, Saturday. are you guys the first event after post Vince McMahon? Or am I making that? Uh, that no, yeah, we are. We're certainly Whoa! the first pay
6: per view, and it's a giant one at the Titan Stadium. It's gonna be something else. We got it's gonna be something else. And the Vince McMahon stuff uh just makes it that much more interesting.
5: Jason Martin's gonna be like the woge of WWE trying to get us some scoops from Nissan Stadium. So <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome, man. That's awesome. We'll have fun. We still got three and a half hours left here, but continue to take her. I'm sorry.
8: <laughs> All right, we got four ball games still going, including the one on Fox TV. Dodgers four-nothing over the San Francisco Giants in the top of the ninth inning. Three Dodger All-Stars with Homers, Mookie Betts. Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman. Orioles now leading the Yankees 6-3 in the top of the ninth inning. Matt Carpenter at an early homer, his 14th for New York. And Garrett Cole, 9-2, was on the mound. He gives up three earned runs in six innings, six strikeouts. There's a game on FS1. Rangers at A, scoreless top of the fifth. And at Arizona, it's Madison Bumgarner and the Diamondbacks leading 7-1 over the Nationals in the top of the eighth. If Washington loses this game, the Nats record will be 31-65. and
6: Boy, that sounds so good. Good, Steve. I love it when the Nationals suck. It just it's so such a good thing as a Braves fan when the Nationals okay, are playing terrible. Okay. I had to
8: explain the division thing. Yes, right? uh, the Atlanta Braves. Speaking of uh, the Atlanta Braves, they did beat the Angels seven two tonight. Halos have lost five straight. You know they saved Shohei Otani for that start last night, where he blew up in the seventh. Otani did hit his twentieth homer in this game, but. Braves the final. Austin Riley is 28th homer. The win to Kyle Wright, who's 12-4. Houston's Justin Verlander, 13-3 after today's win at Seattle, 3-1. Last night, Houston ended the Mariners' 14-game winning streak. Cleveland and the White Sox split a doubleheader. Milwaukee and St. Louis each won. Padres beat the Mets in New York 2-1. Manny Machado with a two-run homer. The rest of the team just three hits, but they got the victory. Cubs in 10 innings won 6-2 at Philadelphia, and Toronto won its fifth in a row. Last night, the Blue Jays won at Boston 28-5. A mere 4-1 to victory today. Boston's lost four in a row and Red Sox All-Star third baseman Rafael Devers goes on the injured list with a bad hamstring. Denny Hamlin earned the NASCAR poll for tomorrow at Pocono. Noah Gregson won the Xfinity race. The Phoenix Suns gave coach Monty Williams a long-term extension, according to ESPN. He just won NBA Coach of the Year. The Tennessee Titans signed third-round quarterback from Liberty, Malik Willis. And the Rams signed quarterback from the USFL, Luis Perez, back to you.
5: Thank you, Steve Sager. This is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, here on a Saturday night. So, Jason, you know, obviously, we're talking about Deshaun Watson. Um, for people who who have not seen, uh, Deshaun Watson did report to training camp today, and we still do not have a resolution. So, I know that you have said, "What have you said?" Two full seasons. You believe, if, if you were commissioner, I'm, I'm not saying this is what you're speculating, but yeah. is that what what you've said? I'd really say more like
6: a year and a half, okay. but I'd be fine if I never saw him again. Like uh, From my outside perspective, internally, inside the NFL, again, it comes down to this for me. I understand how valuable individual players are to the league, but no one... But really I don't quick. think the league loses a cent if Deshaun no. Watson never plays again. Like The league is bigger than any individual player. I guess my point just being, I understand the players are why you have a league, but there's no individual guy that you can take away that's going to hit the bottom line. Of the NFL at this stage it's about them um, it's the same thing just to the degree of this it doesn't matter what's main eventing WrestleMania there are people that don't watch pro wrestling that will watch WrestleMania every year because WrestleMania is that brand. It's the same thing with the National Football League, which is why I don't think that you need to be you know, too careful on your suspension here because if Deshaun Watson were never to play football again, I don't think there is one person out there who would now not watch the NFL who was going to watch it anyway.
5: And that's, what I was going to say is, you know how I know he's not... Uh, you know, I don't even want to say bigger than the league. You know, I, it's not that he doesn't move the needle, but um, he didn't play last year, and right. the league went on and everybody was fine. New stars emerged. Um, Davis Mills, by the way, played. You know, all things considered, pretty well in Houston, and so so I'm with you. Is is it, it'll be so interesting to me? Is, is I still, and again, I think there's a difference between. What I think will happen and what I think should happen, or what I think will happen, and what yeah, what I think will happen and what I think should happen. Um, I just still go back to the fact that there are four women that have not settled with Deshaun Watson, and um, you know it's pretty clear that the twenty that decided to, there was a pretty nice financial incentive for them to do so. That's why cases get settled, right? And so I just bring it up because it says to me. There's going to be stuff that comes out very likely after this season. The civil cases will will be you know go to court after this season, and there's going to be some stuff that comes out that's very uncomfortable. Um, and I don't get the sense like like I get the sense, and this is just me speculating, but um, you know they didn't take the money. And, and sometimes what you hear about victims in situations like this, alleged victims, is that it's about sharing a story it's about making it so other people feel more comfortable sharing their stories and if it was just about money they could have easily settled so the fact that we still have four civil cases that are going to happen at some point in the offseason if i'm the nfl i'm worried about that and i i still go back to and i apologize if i've i've made this point you know f- Religiously, over the last month, six weeks, whatever, since this stuff really ramped up. But Deshaun Watson sat you down once and already lied to your face, lied to the NFL's face, lied to the Cleveland Browns' face, said there was nothing else that was going to come out. There were no, well, well, we got a new accuser. We got the New York Times report that had like 30 something masseuses that we weren't even aware of. And I just can't believe Deshaun Watson that there isn't more that could potentially come out. And that's without even taking into account the civil cases that are going to go to court here at the end of the regular season
6: two of the more compelling things and one backs up what you just said is the women that haven't settled in the, uh, Jenny Vrentis piece in the New York times, the most recent one, the real kind of shocker where you really learned way too much about Sean Watson and closed doors and all that other kind of stuff was that there were some women who came to her, who, who, who came privately, who didn't want to be named, who was, who weren't going to sue Deshaun Sean Watson, who weren't part of the complaint. Because they didn't want their families to know because they felt shame. That was huge to me. Sure. It was just this realization was like, these people aren't trying to get rich. These people aren't trying to get a cent. They don't want a cent they actually just want to put this out there and say, hey, look, this happened to me too. I don't want my name out there. I don't want anything here. I'm certainly not going to use this to get famous because my name is not going to be known by anyone, but I want you to know, Jenny Varentis, in New York Times, this happened to me. I haven't even told my husband about this because of the shame that it made me feel. That's when it really hit home to me what was going on here because anybody that's out there is just like, oh, these women are just trying to get paid. Stop. That should stop you dead in your tracks. Right there. Like because there are there are women who they could have gotten paid. They would rather actually just preserve what their family doesn't know about what happened to them than actually admit at all to having, you know, been victimized in this situation by Deshaun Watson. That right there is is the one where I really flipped, Aaron. Like I, I don't know how many people really read that and paid attention to it, but there are women who came straight to the press privately and said, "Do not mention my name. I don't want my family to know about this at all. We we want our privacy." And I am ashamed. All of these other kinds of things. That that's when it really hit differently for me. Um, it just there was a human side to that where it's just like this is not just a bunch of people that want to be on TV. There there's some there's some real hurt here, and that needs to be considered. And to your other point about. He, he sat you down and he lied to you at least once the reason kareem hunt got let go by the chiefs wasn't what he did it's that he lied to the organization yep they said that publicly he sat him down and said nothing here nothing's going to happen with this and then the video came out and they had to let him go because it was a horrible look for them and they realized they had been lied to by that guy what's different about that than this i'm not sure there's anything
5: no, I completely agree. And uh it's a it's a wild story. Um I you know, as you said a minute ago, it's a little bit uh I, you know, I I get things take time, investigations take time, but but it is something that I I do hope gets pseudo resolved soon because I think we're all kind of I don't want to say tired of talking about it, but we're ready to move on. This is Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. Coming up there is a lot to react to from across the world of sports. We'll hit on a couple other things also we got to get to this Charles Barkley story, some some NBA, a lot of good stuff. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Saturday, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. You want to tweet into the show, tweet us at Aaron underscore Torres at JMart Radio. Uh, Jason, you know, much lighter note uh, than the the heavy Deshaun Watson stuff we were talking about. Uh all Star Weekend or all not All-Star Weekend All Star Week was here in L. A. this week. Uh, uh, MLB All Star Game, Home Run Derby. You're a baseball guy. You love the Braves. You should have gone to the clinching game last year. You didn't, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, What'd you make of All-Star festivities? It felt like, you know, I don't know if it's just, you know, because the last few years have been weird with COVID and restrictions and this and that. It just felt like a great week, a great celebration of baseball. I thought the production by Fox with some of the in-game interviews and in-game mic-ups and stuff like that was really good. What'd you make of uh, the All-Star game here at Dodger Stadium?
6: I thought it was a big-time success. Uh, I loved the Home Run Derby. The way that they've reset that over the last few years, I mean, Slam Dunk is dying a slow, painful death right in front of all of us, like a snuff film at this point in time. And the Home Run Derby's gone in the opposite direction. Like four or five years ago, people were talking about that thing, like it needed to be put out to pasture, the way that they've set it up. And, of course, you've got this. It also helps that the stars actually participate. Yep. a lot of your stars are participating in a home run derby instead of the 10th guy off the bench for the pacers just just to throw an example out there so i think that that and just the baseball all-star game is the one that always felt like an all-star game the pro bowl i've never cared about pretty much my entire life um nba all-star game is just a showcase and it's fun for what it is but it's kind of different the mlb all-star game is the one i grew up when i think all-star game i thought of the mlb all-star game and it still has that feel And I think when you recognize it as fan service, then you mic up the players and you do all the little glitzy stuff and all this. And any baseball peers that has a problem with it can just go, you know, tell kids to get off their lawn, basically, because it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. I was hoping it was going to be tied because I wanted to see a home run derby. Because when I found out that was the rule for instead of doing I extra that, innings, yep. I was like, now that's cool. I love that. In an All-Star game, you don't do that. In a, you don't You don't have to change your entire game. But the All-Star game should feel different. It should feel fun. It should feel special. And I I know that some people to, still didn't care for it. They want to go off on the uniforms and all this other kind of stuff. I just thought it was a fun event. I thought it was well done. It, it looked like a fun environment to have been in. And baseball baseball showcased itself in a very positive light this week outside of Rob Manfred's comments about minor league baseball players, which is one of the stupidest things I've heard in recent memory by somebody so, that, that I, has that kind of power. I may have missed this. What did he say? He said, I, I, take, a, I, I take offense, I take objection uh, to the idea that minor league players aren't paid a living wage. <laughs> <laughs> he's like we've been doing a lot in the last few years to do this and then so i i looked at the numbers and what's changed and yes it has gone up a little bit aaron they're averaging 15 grand a year yeah they're averaging 15 grand a year you're averaging 15 mil a year rob manfred and you're sitting there and saying i, I would object to the idea that, that they're not being paid a living wage dude rob most of these players have third jobs if they have families at all, this ain't going to get it done. This is 2022. A $15,000 – that's not a living wage for a 14-year-old who still lives at home – and doesn't have bills, much less an adult like that. Was just like, dude, you, you just don't have to say it. Just say, hey, we're making strides. We know there's still a long way to go. Don't say, I would object to the idea they're not making a living wage. Just like, well, I object to you being good at your job because it's never been a thing.
5: What did you think of the uh, the all? Was this the first year they wore the uniforms that weren't their team uniforms?
6: Uh, that was a big problem for some people. I didn't really have that much of an issue with it because it's an all-star game. Like. Sure. I get it, like wear your own, you can wear your own lid or whatever, but if New Era wants to sell some merch, if they want to go out there and they want to put the gold unis on, it really didn't bother me, man. It it just, I don't know, maybe I've come to that point, but I always like the alternate uniform stuff from time to time. Now, if it gets overdone, that's different, but it's an all-star game, it's still your uni and it's got gold on it. I, I just... Me clutching my pearls over that was just not going to happen.
5: Yeah, I'll say in general, I think a couple things. One, um, I, one, I thought it was really well done. I thought the home run derby was really fun. Um, I thought the game was fun, too, with some of the mic-up stuff and, and all that. Um, and, and I think what you said is right. Is It was funny. I was filling in with uh, Rob Parker this week on The Odd Couple, and, and we talked about – it does still feel like it's the. It feels like it's the one game where guys care, and yes. the the Pro Bowl. Okay, it's a joke. Whatever. Like I don't. I don't even acknowledge. I. I Pretend it doesn't exist. Uh, the NBA All Star Game—it's gotten a little bit better with the Elam ending at the end, but it they all- care—they care late. They
6: care yes. in the third and the fourth quarter. You start to see them play defense. It's still more of a hot dog show, and you got guys alley ooping to themselves and all this. But for what that event is supposed to be, I usually have a good time watching that. Also, I wasn't trying to poo-poo it. I'm just saying, of the All Star Games, the one that I always think of—if you say All Star Game—is the MLB All Star Game.
5: Yeah. See, I—it's I, not that I think that like you know guys should be going uh you know def- picking up full court and full full court pressing or anything it's just it's one of those where with the nba it feels like in theory like it seems like oh you know we're gonna get all these great players on one court together and then the game actually starts and, and it becomes a pretty tough watch pretty quick but the mlb all-star game really well done and I, you know i thought and maybe i'm biased because i live out here in la but having it at Dodger Stadium. Pack Stadium, um, you know the, the Twilight for the Home Run Derby. I just thought everything about it was really good, and you know it's funny, right? Like because sometimes, and and I get why, but you do the home, you do the uh, All Star Game at whatever's the newest stadium, or you try right. to spread it around. Having it in an iconic place like Dodger Stadium, it's been home to so many big games, not only throughout its history, but really in recent years. I think gave it a big time feel. So,
6: it, yeah, I agree. With you. I just I thought it was a, a successful week. For Major League Baseball. Now, unfortunately for Major League Baseball. The games that actually start to really matter for them are being played when everybody's starting to pay attention to
5: football. <laughs> it is true. Uh, it is true here as uh, as we said. If guys are reporting to camp, it feels like there's some interesting storylines in baseball this year, though. Uh, with the Yankees playing as well as they are, the Astros, the Mariners are on fire. Uh, you know, the Mets are interesting. So it, it, I'll say this: It's been a fun summer for baseball. I agree. But a, yeah, but as you said, uh, it's not as though anybody is not going. It, it, we're not going to be leading shows uh, in in September. With With uh, Yankees, Astros, or anything like that uh, once football starts. This is Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. Coming up, Charles Barkley. Got to talk about him. The next great golf announcer we explain next. Fox Sports Radio.
9: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs)
5: Welcome in, everybody, Hour 2, Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here Saturday night. Uh, I know I've said it every week, Jason, but it feels like this is supposed to be the slow time. It doesn't really feel like there. It, it's slowing down. I mean, it, it's going to ramp back up here in a minute, but we have... Uh, you know the NFL stuff. Obviously, we got a lot of college football to get to. SEC Media Days was this week. We have oh, I don't know, like three legitimate NBA superstars that could be traded. Uh, you know, I, I haven't been doing sports talk radio that long, but it feels like even when I when I when I was starting three, four, five years ago. This time of year, it was hard to find the content. It, it, this off season, man, I don't know what it's like hosting every day and, and, and you know five days a week and everything, but to do a Saturday show, it feels like we have plenty to talk about this time of year.
6: Yeah, if you're doing it once a week, it definitely is. I mean, like if you're doing it daily, yes. there's This time of year is never all that much fun. There have been a few stories. The problem is some of them haven't been the kinds of things, as we talked about last hour, because of things you want to sit there and dive into for very long if you sure. can help it um but you've had those things you've had you had a pretty compelling nba playoffs and you certainly have had a wild free agency again now there's Donovan Mitchell and of course there's Kevin Durant and there's Kyrie Irving and there's whatever's happening with the Lakers, everything else. So, I mean, there has been more, I think, on the bone than usual. And you've also had a smat of interesting moves in the NFL with wide receivers getting moved over the past – that was kind of before the summer, but it's kind of extended in to now start beginning to think – what they're going to mean to those teams, and those receivers have found the need to say things that have then created even more content for us.
5: Well, I'll tell you what, uh, do you mind if I save that for next hour? No, yeah, I wasn't trying to set you up for it. There is another
6: one of those, however.
5: It, it It is a very interesting comment that we'll get to, but another thing that I didn't even mention in all the different things that we're talking about you know, this Lyft golf thing's starting to get yeah. a little interesting, Jason. You know, yeah. everybody threw up their arms and what's going to happen. And this is one thing I, I I don't remember how much we talked about it on this show. I, actually, I think the week that we really got into it, you were off and VJ Husky was in. But, you know, I get a lot of stuff wrong, but I really felt like it, there was so much backlash. There was so much pushback. You know, the, the Saudi oil money, all that. I said, once the first guy takes takes the money and takes all the shots from the media and the public, the guys are going to follow after him because the money is so good. Uh, these guys have no loyalty to the PGA. The PGA just puts on events. The PGA has not treated them well for years. And I said, it's just going to take one. It ended up being Phil, uh, Phil Mickelson and obviously since then, Dustin Johnson, uh, you know Patrick Reed, all these guys with reports that uh, Cam Smith, fresh off a British Open, uh, Open Championship title last week, may be headed next. But the story of the week from Liv... Was actually in the announcer booth. I mean, one David Faraday, a really well-respected broadcaster, yes. announced that he was going to go uh, over to Live, or somebody announced it for him. But now we get the 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 plot twist of Live is actively recruiting Charles Barkley to t- to take on some sort of announcing role. Um, you know, Charles Barkley has had some interesting comments about it, but at the end of the day, um he's it seems as though he's interested. The money is obviously going to be great, and there could be a world where Charles Barkley is off of TNT. The reports are Charles Barkley even said himself he he doesn't think that TNT will allow him to continue his role there if he takes on a role with Live Golf. What do you think about Charles Barkley going to Live? I got a few thoughts, but I want to hear yours first.
6: Well, here's the thing about live that I find really interesting. Well, a lot, but it's a gimmick. It's a gimmick until it's not. I mean, there's no cuts. There's three rounds. That's what's the whole live deal. There's, there's just a, there's a smaller field. Everybody goes through the end. It's set up to be a product. It's set up as a gimmick. It's set up more like an exhibition than anything else, because the guys are getting paid exorbitant money before you even get to the purses, which are also huge. And, of course, you've got the private jets and you've got all this other kind of stuff. This is something completely different than the XFL or something to that degree. This is a gimmick. So what better gimmick than to go get someone who's actually known for golf in a wrong direction, but somebody that obviously loves it, and somebody that's magic on television because he's completely unfiltered, because he'll say absolutely anything and then there's this he also never turns down a dollar he's a guy that gambles a lot he's a guy that's he's a dude with spaghetti stains on his shirt right that's why everybody loves him i love charles barkley he is an absolute gem even when i can't watch the nba for long stretches of time i dvr inside the nba every single week during the season I watch it and oftentimes that's how I catch up on what's happened the last few nights in the NBA. I host early in the morning, so a lot of those games I just can't I just can't watch. But Barclay's a gem because he's great entertainment. And if your sport is or if your league is more built on the entertainment than it is the actual results. Like who cares who wins a live golf event? Right now no one does. But we care. But, but the idea is, can you make us care about the Live Golf event itself? And the way you do that is by window dressing. It's by smoke and mirrors. It's by creating something that becomes incredibly intriguing. So you go get names. And one of the things when we talked about Live, I ran through a list off the top of my head of the guys I believe mattered when it came to if you can get this crop of guys or the vast majority of them, you've got something. Dustin was one of them. Brooks Koepka was one of them. Phil would be the other one outside of Tiger. And you had, you know, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Rory. There's a few other guys, but generally those are kind of it. And now here comes the Open champion. He's Australian. Greg Norman grabs him. Greg Norman would love to grab, you know, Adam Scott, Jason Day, and have this Australian group and all this. The Live thing is really fascinating because they are approaching this completely differently. They're approaching this. Live is like – couldn't you see live like having a residency in vegas Hmm. like that's kind of what live feels like to me they're not buttoned up they're the exact opposite yes the money and where it's coming from hugely problematic but at some point that's going to fade into the background in terms of how people are talking about this barkley spaghetti stain just seems like a guy he seems like a dude and you laugh at him all the time on tv he couldn't do this in a pga tour Because they take everything so seriously. But for Liv, it becomes another gimmick. It becomes part of the sideshow. It becomes part of the entertainment value of the product. It fits him because nobody's going to take him seriously as a golf analyst, but it doesn't matter. Him being entertaining is going to be enough. David Faraday is world class. You can let Faraday do that and let Barkley do the other thing. And then the better part is you couldn't watch him do this. I wouldn't want to see him do this every week but from time to time this would just be an entertaining way to add something like the manning cast to monday night football
5: so a couple things one as weird as it sounds i don't even know that people really go to him for nba analysis like i don't know that um if i need a pick for the nba finals he's the first guy that i go to we go because he's knowledgeable he has the background, but he's also entertaining, and that speaks to a lot of what you said. I have a question for you, though, because I, I want to kind of take it in a different direction, is a couple things you said stood out. I mean, first of all, this is a guy, and, and I don't blame him because we we all kind of fit into this, this bucket as well, uh, never turns down a paycheck, and, you know, uh, what, what I think is interesting is this. So I'm not one to criticize. I, have, I've, I haven't I have have once criticized anybody for taking any amount of money from Liv. I don't criticize guys for taking a bigger contract on an inferior team. Go get your money. Life is short. Take care of your family. All that. Where I do think the Barkley thing is interesting is the idea that he could potentially have to give up inside the NBA. And so where... I don't know, like like it, it, I, I use this analogy the other day. It's kind of like when your parents tell you, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Like if he yeah. d- if he did do this just for a check and that's that's what he that's why he would do it. It would be a little disappointing. Like this guy is unquestionably the most entertaining voice. I, I you know, I think he's the face of of NBA media coverage. I don't think there's a doubt about that as a matter of fact. Maybe if you want to include the entire inside the NBA crew uh, as such. He's the face of NBA coverage. He's great at what he does. He makes the NBA so much more interesting and fun, and we laugh. And as you said, there's people, there's a lot of people that uh, watch more, watch those TNT. They, they tune in more for the postgame analysis than the game itself. I mean, I think you can argue that's maybe, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, one of the few appointment television products that we have in sports, right? Like like there's a lot of great shows and I'm not criticizing anybody, but you know, maybe college game day on Saturday mornings, but then it's inside the NBA at night. Like it's you, you just do it on Thursdays, you do it during the playoffs, you stay up until they decide that they're done. And so if he gives all that up. Now, I will say this is that he has said in the past like, "Hey, I don't know if I want to do this till I'm 70." I think the exact quote he said is, "I don't want right. to die on set." Um like, if he just – I know he's already been in a world where he says, I, I don't want to do this forever. But if he just gave gave up what he did, which he is incredibly good at, to just take a paycheck, I would be a little bit disappointed. But I, I, I it's one of those, like, I can't blame him because the money is going to be ungodly, but it would be disappointing.
6: Look, I'd be sad about it because, as you said, he's such great television. Look, he's – at times almost embarrassing covering college basketball when he does the the sports tournament and I don't and I don't care. That's my point. I don't care. Like yep. I just find it entertaining. I'm not gonna wring my hands over how much knowledge he has over the college game. I don't think he's trying to give off that he has any knowledge. He's just talking about basketball. And I love watching him when he breaks down basketball, I'm entertained by it. Yeah, his picks oftentimes aren't right, but when he's telling me individual traits about players and stuff uh, I get a lot out of that. If he were to, if he, if this ends up with him and live and not on TNT, that's a net loss. That is a huge loss, even if you could understand it. Now, if we knew he was going to step away from TNT within the next two years, if we already knew, hey, he's he's actually going to be done 2024, no matter what, I would have less of a, a yeah, disappointment I because I knew he'd be going away. I mean, it'd be the same difference, right? It'd be like look, I hate that Andrew Luck retired because I really wanted to see that guy have a long career. I want to see as many great quarterbacks in the NFL as we can possibly have, but I get why he retired. I understand why he walked away from it. Doesn't mean I'm not disappointed that we didn't get more of a career out of Andrew Luck or see more success for him or or get a bunch more great moments out of him, but I understand why he stepped away from the game, why he felt like he needed to do that. So I agree a million percent, basically is what I'm saying, that it, Yes, if he stepped away, I would absolutely hate it, and I would wish that was not the case um, in terms of going to live and cashing a check. At the same time, um, he has made it clear over the last few years he's not going to be a lifer on TV. And if that's true and he really believes that, then maybe this is the check that enables him to really walk away and just enter the next phase of his life, and you know, we can have that discussion at a different time.
5: Last one on this. Would would you tune into live golf specifically just to watch Charles Barkley? Like especially it would
6: be hard to say no. Sure, it would. I mean, I, look, when WWE started running Saudi, I ran. I watched the first one, and then I just started to feel ugly about everything going on in Saudi Arabia and all of this. And so I was just like, I'm not going to support this. They paid him. A, they paid him forty five million dollars. So WWE is going to pump this up like it matters. It doesn't. um, I'm not going to be a part of this. I was hosting a wrestling show on a weekly basis during the first few years of their Saudi arrangement, and we blackballed it. We just flat out wouldn't cover it. We wouldn't talk about it because we all agreed it wasn't something that we wanted to watch. Um, Live at this point, yes, there there are concerns there. There are problems there. There are things that you have to get past. There's also a moment where you have to realize, look, um, it's here. If it's here to stay, it's here. I mean, you've seen the comparisons. You've heard the the, uh, comparisons from Live to F1. F1 is one of the biggest sports in the world right now. just set an unbelievable television deal. And IndyCar is nearly dead as a result of what F1 did. I'm reading a book right now that was suggested to me by Mike Golick Jr., as a matter of fact, when he was on our program several months ago called The Club, and it's about the English Premier League and how it became what it's become, how soccer in England was dead and all these owners were inspired by the NFL to just build these palaces for these guys to play in and turn this thing into something. They took something that was dead, gimmicked it up beyond all belief, spent a ton of money, brought in the right people, and now it's the most popular and biggest thing globally – in the world, the most important thing in the world. I, look, I read that book and I apply it to what's happening in college football with the SEC and the Big Ten, which is why it was originally suggested to us. Um, certainly what's happened with F1 and now what's happening with Liv. If you're not careful, if you're the PGA, you're in trouble here because as we were talking about um, about certain stars and guys that are bigger than a league and all this other kind of stuff, the PGA's biggest stars – Outside of the select few guys that I mentioned, many of whom have already gone to live, the biggest stars are guys by the name of the Masters, the U.S. Open, the Open Championship, not even really the PGA title. You've basically got three events that matter in the PGA Tour that people tune in to watch because of the event itself. Outside of that, you don't have stars. So if live could create events that mattered – and had guys that you cared about a little bit more, guys that you'd known, guys that had won majors, and all of this. All of a sudden, PGA's in actual trouble. Let's see, and yeah. that's what's going to be interesting to
5: watch. Well, and I think, and we're going to get, we're going to wrap on this. Is that I do think that's the like, like people think this, and and you just said it, it's a gimmick now. But and I don't mean to be disrespectful. It's a gimmick until it's not. But it, listen. The XFL and USFL are a gimmick because they don't have players you want to watch. Liv has players that you want to watch. They're going to have the announcers, and we will see what happens from here. This is Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here Saturday night. Coming up, we move to college football. Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee. (laughs) I don't even know what to say, Jason. We'll discuss that next. Fox Sports Radio.
9: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
5: Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. Uh, Busy, busy week in sports, as we've discussed. Busy summer in sports, all things considered. We are starting to ramp up towards football, though, both college and the NFL. Obviously, Jason and I talk a ton of of college football here in this time slot. Uh, We will be your home every Saturday night when games go final for immediate post-game reaction. And I'll say this, Jason, uh, this week with the SEC Media Days, it feels like... You know, this is kind of the unofficial launch of college football. Is is all the, all the SEC coaches get together? Saban and Jimbo and and Kirby Smart and all that. And and actually, I want to talk about Kirby Smart in a minute, but. There was some news following Media Days, maybe to, for, to uh, you know the good news to Tennessee fans that that it didn't drop during Media Days. But um, Tennessee, of course, is going into the second year under head coach Josh Heupel, and the reason they're going into their second year under head coach Josh Heupel is because the previous coach got fired, Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, that was the story for people who rem- who may remember uh, that there were accusations that they were handing out money in McDonald's paper bags. Apparently that didn't happen, but pretty much every other rule violation that possibly could happen, Jason, uh, we found out yesterday, 18 level one violations, which I, I mean, I could be wrong, but it's by far the most that I've ever heard of. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt was paying players out of pocket. Jeremy Pruitt's wife was paying players out of her pocket. I, I, I've i never seen anything like this, Jason. Take it from, Take it from here. I've never seen anything like this.
6: Jeremy Pruitt was a disaster. He was a bad hire at the moment it happened. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why. Look, I host a show in Nashville. At the time that this story broke, I was the executive producer of a show called Outkick the Coverage, right here on many of the same stations you're listening to across the country on Fox Sports Radio, hosted by Clay Travis, who was right in the thick of this entire thing. And they didn't want Greg Ciano. And so they found a way to make sure Greg Schiano wasn't the coach. And by they, I mean the fans and a loud group of people. They end up with Jeremy Pruitt. I didn't love it. I really didn't. I knew he was coming from the saving deal, but it's just like, yeah, I just don't know about this one. And then he had a little bit of a success run at the end of one of the seasons and into the start of the next. And you start to think maybe, you know, maybe this is going to work out maybe i was wrong about this i remember actually doing a take at one point saying who do you think the best coach in the state of tennessee is right now mike vrabel or jeremy pruitt wow a question that i wish i had not asked but at the time it made sense to ask and it wasn't a slam dunk in the favor of vrabel who of course was last year's nfl coach of the year and the titans were the number one seed in the afc jeremy pruitt Um, rubbed everybody the wrong way, rubbed his coaches the wrong way, led to his offensive coordinator leaving to become the head coach at Western Kentucky, and basically just, in effect, saying, look, he was handcuffed entirely. Pruitt didn't make good decisions, and all of this stuff, we've known about these things coming for well over a year. I actually, two days ago, we had somebody on the air who was at media days, and we talked to people all week, and, I was going to say, have they just forgotten about this? Like, when are these allegations coming down, or when is this actual notice coming, or is it coming? Are they just going to – have they just – because of what the university has tried to do, is this thing just going to kind of get moved on? And no, because we got everything on Friday, and it was nice of them to not put Josh Heupel up there, who spoke on Thursday, with that coming out beforehand, because he shouldn't have to answer for stuff he had nothing to do with. His players shouldn't have to answer for stuff they had nothing to do with. Uh, they're, that's a completely different program than the one that Jeremy Pruitt was running. But the McDonald's story, which I think emanated on Dan Patrick, and he even said, yeah, I know that's not really a true story, but everybody ran with it, and we still joke about it actually here. It's just kind of a funny thing at this point in time. The worst thing about Jeremy Pruitt is, with all of the cheating, they didn't win. Nope. Like not even close. Like they were a terrible program. The Three people and seven leaving the program. Yeah, awful. Like just, well, just let me, absolutely dreadful.
5: And let me jump in really quick. the The reason he was fired was because Tennessee uncovered those violations. And not only did they not fight for him. Uh, you know, they, they kind of went out of their way to make sure the NCAA knew, hey, we're going to do everything we can to help you to find as much as you possibly can. So that was why he ended up being out. Really quick, um, you know, I'll say this, Jason. One, first of all, I want I want to like set one thing that's straight that I've I've seen a lot of. I've seen a lot of people say, oh, you know, in the NIL world, this isn't like a big deal. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. Even in the NIL world. Now, are players getting paid and whatever? Yes. But in the NIL world, NIL is name, image, likeness. Paying players out of your pocket is not allowed in the NIL world. Now, is it still happening? Of course it's still happening. But a head coach cannot pay players out of pocket. As a matter of fact, schools can't even be involved in NIL uh, uh, except for like a very limited basis in terms of setting up deals, all that stuff. So don't tell me that it's no big deal because we live in NIL world now. No, 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 no. This would not be allowed in the current world that we live in. But again, the thing that keeps tripping me up we go back to his wife was paying players for him. I should mention. Apparently, he met her when she was working in compliance. Neither here nor there. I've never heard of the wife getting her hands dirty for her husband. I mean, in some ways, I respect it that that whole "till death do us part" thing in sickness and in health, rich and poor. Uh, she 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 took those vows very seriously. But I've just never heard that before, and I was blown away when I saw that she had her finger dirt under her fingernails as well with all this stuff.
6: Yeah. Um, I mean, to your point, Tennessee, at some point when they realized they wanted to get out from underneath this Jeremy Pruitt thing, they didn't really want to pay that buyout. So, this was a way to, yeah, maybe we're going to take a slap on the wrist. Maybe this is even going to be a postseason ban for a couple of years. Maybe it's going to be sanctions because when you do this, you're opening up the can of worms for them to find everything. And they're going to find stuff. But, if you don't want to pay 12 to $20 million, like what? Auburn's paying Gus Malzahn like 20 mil, I think mm-hmm. was the buyout. Yep. UCLA, one of the biggest reasons they had to go to the Big Ten is because they're $100 million in debt largely because of coaching buyouts. Don't you say anything bad, bad about hires. Jim
5: Moore. Don't say anything hey, bad about Jim Moore. No. Oh, I, I certainly can. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm kidding. But, yeah, but
6: they don't want to pay Pruitt because the stupid buyout that they didn't need to set up in the first place because they i don't understand this is a universe and we'll get into it because i know we need to get to the but i don't understand this rush from supposedly smart people in positions of power at universities across this country giving all these extensions to coaches that haven't done anything.
5: So I actually have a perfect segue to something else that I want to talk about. We'll discuss it next. First, really quick, I want to bring in Producer Bo for half a second. Producer Bo, did you have something? Yeah, which uh, Which college wife and girlfriend is funnier? Uh, Jerry, Jeremy Pruitt's wife or uh, Pole Assassin, the uh – Texas coach, uh, Texas coach girlfriend with the monkey that bit the kid on Halloween last that year. That story's phenomenal. It's it'll the never Texas it'll never sto- go that, away. No,
6: it's, that's a great, great story.
5: And it's also because it's Texas too. Like if that happened at like Oklahoma State, it would still be funny. But because it was Texas and they had just lost to Kansas, it made it that much more incredible. So I'll still go with the pole assassin. I mean, you know that was just quirky. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt's wife. In some ways, I respect her. The pole assassin story was insane.
6: Yeah, the pole I I gotta go with the pole assassin as well.
5: All right. Sis Fox Sports Radio going a lot of different directions tonight. Air Tours Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. Uh, coming back, I do want to kind of continue this conversation kind of with context for something else that I want to discuss. Before we get to that, let's get to Steve DeSager with What's Trending. What's up, Sager?
8: So he met her in the compliance office. He did? Yes. Yes.
5: <laughs> well, she was working in compliance.
8: Okay. Yeah, and learning much, apparently.
5: apparently.
6: Well, no, apparently she was learning to comply with whatever her husband <laughs> told her to do.
8: Don't think that's the whole point. But Aaron Torres, I cannot thank you enough for pointing out what should be obvious to everyone that is this has nothing to do with the current nil yes. rules that 's for your own name image and likeness it doesn 't give you the right to pay off the bills of moms that you want to be recruits, etc exactly. etc cetera, et cetera. and as I mentioned on a show yesterday, actually there were more Level one violations in these allegations. Then were, there were wins in his three years as Tennessee coach, 18 to 16, just for the record. And while we're talking college football, I brought it up on the Sunday night show before. It's the first weekend of September that everyone has their opening game of the season. That is almost everyone. There are a handful of teams like UConn mm-hmm. that play on the last Saturday of August. UConn's going to be on FS1 at Utah State. Fox TV that last weekend of August is going to carry a college football game from Dublin, Nebraska, against Northwestern. And then once we get to September, with the NFL having not started yet, That first weekend of September, there's college football Thursday through Monday night, that whole long weekend, including a Thursday night Fox game of Penn State at Purdue. There's a Friday night game as well with FS1, Illinois, Indiana. And USC's opener on Saturday will only be on Pac-12 Network, so only... Arnie will be able it, to see hey, it. No, I can see it. <laughs> Same with UCLA. the Pac-12 opener. network. <laughs> Nobody in Los Angeles is going to be able to see USC or <laughs> UCLA that day. That's the Pac-12 doubleheader, believe it or not. And uh, we've got on that first Saturday, by the way, and looking forward to it. Oregon is going to be in action. Uh, Ohio State's going to be in action. There are good matchups. The Oregon game's against Georgia at the Falcon Stadium that first Saturday in September. And then the Saturday night game is Notre dame At Ohio State, there is one Sunday night game, September 4th. LSU is going to play at the Superdome against Florida State, and then the Monday night games back at the Falcon Stadium, Georgia Tech against Clemson. There is just one ball game still going on in the major leagues. It's the top of the seventh. The A's holding on 2-1 over the Texas Rangers. The Atlanta Braves are now just a half game behind the first place Mets in the NL East. Mets gave up a two-run homer to Manny Machado and lost at home to San Diego 2-1. Meanwhile, Atlanta was a 7-2 winner over the Angels who've lost five straight. Kyle Wright the winning pitcher for the Braves is 12-4, and four, six innings, eight strikeouts. Today on FS1, Houston got another win from Justin Verlander, a 3-1 victory at Seattle. Verlander 13-3 and three this year, ERA 1.86. Wasn't he injured recently? Nine strikeouts yeah. in seven innings today. The Mariners' offense went four for 30 overall, and Seattle rookie outfielder, the all-star and rookie of the year candidate Julio Rodriguez was out again today with a sore wrist. Houston's won four in a row. Last night Houston ended the Mariners fourteen game winning streak. The loss to Logan Gilbert of Seattle today, he's ten and four. Grady RA two point seven seven. He had eight strikeouts in six innings, just two runs allowed, but Strohs were just better. Houston's record sixty-three and thirty-two. Let's compare that to the Washington Nationals, who are thirty-one. And 65 after losing again tonight, 7-2 at Arizona, beaten by Madison Bumgarner, who had nine strikeouts in his eight innings. Juan Soto, or as some would call him Ted Williams and Mickey Mantle, rolled into one. was 0-4 for 4 with three strikeouts. Soto is batting 247 for the Nationals this year. Cleveland split a doubleheader at the White Sox. Dodgers won their seventh straight game. St. Louis and Milwaukee each won. The Brewers are the first-place team in the NL Central. Still a game and a half over the Cardinals. Toronto won its fifth straight today, 4-1 at Boston. Cubs won in 10 innings at Philadelphia, 6-2. And Baltimore came from 3-0 down in the fifth inning to beat Garrett Cole and the Yankees, 6-3. Aaron Judge did have four hits, but the Yankees with runners in scoring position went one for fourteen in this game. The Tennessee Titans signed third round quarterback Malik Willis from Liberty. Rookies continue to report to training camps through Tuesday. Most teams have veterans reporting on Tuesday. The Phoenix Suns gave Coach Monty Williams a long-term extension, according to ESPN. Denny Hamlin earned the NASCAR poll for tomorrow at Pocono. And in Oregon tonight at the World Track and Field Championships, the U.S. won the women's 4 x 100 meter relay, beating Jamaica in the men's sprint relay. It was Canada defeating the U.S. Back to you.
5: Thank you, Steve DeSager. This is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. So, Jason, right before uh, we got to DeSager, you did mention that, um, you know, Jeremy Pruitt getting this weird contract extension. And uh, somebody else got in a contract extension this week. Kirby Smart now, yeah. the highest-paid head coach in all of college football, uh, eleven plus million dollars a year on his deal. But why? You know, it, it was funny, right? Because I, I don't think there was as much pushback, especially now in the NIL world, where you know, ten years ago, ten years ago, probably three years ago, uh, if Kirby Smart got this contract, it, it'd be like, uh, you know, of course he's getting eleven million while the players don't get anything. But I, you know, when I saw the number, I just said this is the going rate for contracts in college football right now. And I bring it up to to kind of tie back to the last segment. You know, Mel Tucker got ninety five million dollars last last year. He's got thir- mm-hmm. thirteen wins as Michigan State's head coach. James Franklin, by the way, got a seventy five million dollar extension after a seven and five season. So Kirby Smart breaks the bank. But you know, in the new world of college football, and it's not changing with the TV contracts going up. This is the going rate for a championship coach. It really is.
6: Yeah, it is. Um, And look, I mean, how long was Mark Richt at Georgia? And Mark Richt was a very good football coach that could not get them – exactly where they wanted to be and where they felt like they deserved to be you bring in kirby he knocks on the door of the national championship has it won loses it a few years ago then comes back and wins it even after losing the sec title game to alabama and you look at it and you just say yeah i mean you you have to pay that guy and congratulations to nick saban because anybody that makes more money usually helps him make more money because i think he has to be in the top three according to his own contract so I don't know where the other guys are. He may still be number two on that list. So he needs to see some other people get paid. By the way, Jeremy Pruitt, who got that job at Tennessee, you know who who they another guy that they picked uh, Jeremy Pruitt over, Mel Tucker. Really? Just to, just to put that out there. I don't even remember there. that. Yeah, Mel Mel Tucker. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, and then the the AD that they couldn't wait to run off in in John Curry, who was trying to hire Mike Leach and who was responsible for Greg Schiano. Uh, he's now at Wake Forest, doing pretty well. Sure. Um, is things that things have not gone great for tennessee but to the point about the buyouts and all this kind of stuff the only thing that i would have any problem with for georgia is just i mean who exactly like i, I don't know who you were bidding against at that number um sure. but i understand why you pay kirby whatever you feel like you gotta pay him reward him whatever you have the money go ahead and knock yourself out now that the now that the guys are able to to uh make some money themselves you should have less of a problem if you did before with what coaches are making because you understand the difference in a good and a bad coach when you look at a nick saban and you look at everything alabama had since gene stallings before nick saban got there it explains it but stuff like uh the will muschamp money and the buyout that had to be paid at south carolina and the Pruitt deal that they're basically they are trying to get out from underneath by what they've done to let everything get exposed in terms of what's happened in Tennessee with the violations, all of these guys, like, why wouldn't you just look at a coach and just be like, look, if you think you can get something better somewhere else, go right ahead. But there's no reason to extend you. Like you haven't done anything. You haven't won a national championship. We're talking about Kirby smart. That's a different argument, but so many coaches, it's like these ADs and these universities can't wait to give them three and four year extensions for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of these coaches, I would call their bluff, Torres.
5: I'm, I'm wi- I would totally call their bluff. This I'm with you, and it's funny. This The, the time that I noticed it, you'll laugh, and we got to get to break. We can come back on the other end. But I remember, you'll laugh when I say this, when Butch Jones got an extension, like after Tennessee made a bowl game. Butch Jones, by the way, was the guy that was the official head coach before Jeremy Pruitt. There was a hiring in between that didn't go down, as you just explained a minute ago. But when Butch Jones got an extension after making a bowl game – I was like, isn't that kind of why you're paying him to be the f- – like, isn't a bowl game like a baseline minimum? Do we need to extend the contract yeah. because he did exactly what he is supposed to do? So we can continue this conversation coming up because there is another element of the Kirby conversation that I want to talk about. We'll discuss all that next. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. Don't know what this song is. Don Brown, you got me fired up. It's Danzig. Okay. You know I'm not a music guy. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here Saturday night. For the break, we were talking Kirby Smart is now the new highest paid coach in college football. Kirby Smart is making well over $11 million per year. Kirby Smart also signed this contract during a week in which he had some comments about NIL, which I'll be honest, Jason, I don't know if you were somebody that got worked up about this stuff, but... Uh, the comments I think were taken a little bit out of context, but I it's one where I actually see both sides. Where I think if you actually listen to what Kirby Smart has said about NIL, um, I, I don't think it's quite as bad as people are making it out to be. But I also do think it is a little bit hypocritical uh, based on on some of the things he said. Essentially, what he said was this: is, I'll, I'll read the exact quote. Um, he said, you give a young man 8000 a month or 6000 a month, you could say he deserves that. Well, he might deserve that if he earns it if he goes out there and plays. I'm all for taking care of guys. That have been part of the program and stay in play. It's just that it's a reverse system right now, where the bottom line is that is actually not the quote. Here, here's the um, here's the full quote that that matters. He said, "What do you think he's doing with that? It's it, is it actually going to make him more successful in life? Because I promise you, if you handed me 10k a month as a freshman in college, I probably wouldn't be where I am today." So, Kirby Smart basically said, you know, essentially what he said was. Um, you know it's a reverse system. The it, we shouldn't be paying for recruits. We should be paying the guys that are on campus. And then he kind of clarified it at Media Days, where he said, "By the way, all ninety-five of our guys on on uh, on our roster have some kind of NIL deal, uh, but they've gotten to campus. They've they've you know contributed to the team. They've contributed to the school." Were you upset, Kirby Smart, the eleven million dollar man, criticizing NIL and players getting paid? Because there was a lot of outrage without the context of of most of the quotes this week.
6: I mean, I understand the argument and I've heard many others make the same one that really NIL, the point of this was not to pay you to come to school. It was to pay you after you've accomplished something and done something that deserves to be rewarded, uh, as opposed to just sitting there and making money for a coach and making money for a university. But at the same time, if it's a free market, it's hard to say, yeah, well, you don't get it until you come here and you've been here for a year. I mean, that's insane. Like... If I start a company, if I create something, if I invent something, I'm able to go ahead and make that a thing immediately. I don't have to prove something for a year. If somebody wants to pay me before that, they can pay me before that. I get the spirit of it. I get the idea. Yeah, like you'd want to reward Will Anderson, right? You'd want to reward, in the case of Georgia, Jordan Davis last year. Like, you'd want that guy to be cashing in because his name, image, and likeness matter because of what he's done at the University of Georgia. I get that. But we all know better than this. We know how recruiting has blown up. I mean, there are millionaires out there that have started scouting websites and creating star ratings and all this other kind of stuff where kids go to camps to try and get the highest star rating they can and get seen so they can end up in the schools they want to end up in and all this other kind of stuff, it's a grift from top to bottom. It always has been. So all of what Kirby Kirby Smart's saying is not necessarily incorrect. And, of course, he's got to let you know everybody's on an NIL deal, and that is directly to the kids that he wants to come to Georgia next. He wants to make sure everybody knows, hey – You come here, you're going to get an NIL deal. Now, I don't really like certain things about this. Again, the problem with all of this is there's just no guardrails surrounding it for anybody. A lot of the stuff Saban has said has been accurate. He's been kind of the messenger that's gotten hit for saying it because he's benefited from the way that he has found crafty loopholes and different things, and he's used the rules to his advantage for such a long period of time. Kirby's experiencing similar things. He's putting putting together great recruiting classes. He just won a national championship. They seem to be in the mix every single year now. So now he's going to get a little bit more of it. I don't necessarily have that big of a problem with what he's saying. I also think it's naive. It, you're worth what somebody's willing to pay you. And if you're a high school kid and somebody wants to offer you $10 million to come be a quarterback in a couple of years at some university, it's hard to say – no, you're not allowed to do that. Like, who are you to determine what someone's value is when there's guys that can go pro in tennis at 13?
5: Yeah, it's funny because I think there's some corollaries to the NFL, right? Where, um, you know, the the rookies are no longer the highest paid players like they were maybe 10, 12 years ago, but rookies get paid very well. Uh, they get off the off the quarter off the field compensation without having quote unquote proven it. And so there, there's some corollaries there to high school uh, football recruiting. Um, I, I just, I, I look at it and, and I do like, it doesn't bother me because what Kirby said was essentially like, like it cracks me up. Right. Because a year ago it was, everybody was, you know, well, you know, they deserve to make money off their name, image, likeness. They deserve to make, and and we all agree. I haven't really heard anybody say they don't deserve to make money off their name, image, likeness. Um, but it's quickly kind of turned into pay for play, which was never part of the agreement. Like even the most ardent. You know the most ardent people that were against the you know uh, the NCAA weren't necessarily like, hey, you got to pay them a salary. You just got to it, it should be an NIL. So anyway, it's an interesting deal because I do see both sides to it, and I, and I don't think it was probably the, the sharpest move by Kirby, but I do kind of understand uh, what he was saying, and it kind of got misconstrued. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. Coming up, switch back to the NFL. Lot to discuss. Welcome back, everybody. Hour 3 Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. About an hour from now, our buddy Bernie Fratto will join us straight out of Vegas. You can hear Bernie following us at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. But we're taking you up through 11 p.m. Pacific time, 2 a.m. Eastern, and Bernie will follow us. Want to go back to the NFL. And, you know, Jason, really quickly, we talked about Kyler Murray to open the show um, you know, we we listen, it is what it is. Uh by the way, if you missed any of that segment, you can go back and download the podcast, which will be up immediately following the show. But um, you know, Kyler Murray gets paid. And, you know, I think both of us kind of have the same opinion. Is again, we kind of just we're talking about Kirby Smart, the NIL stuff. We we get both sides of that coin. And I kind of get both sides of the Kyler Murray conversation too, but I will say it is kind of interesting, and, and it was a point that you brought up, is that at some point somebody is going to draw the line in the sand, an organization is going to draw the line in the sand and say, we're not giving you that massive, massive, massive contract simply because the last team gave it to their guy. And I'm not saying that Kyler was the team, was the guy that you should have done it with, but it is interesting that a guy that, that has never won a playoff game, um, that... Has supposed leadership issues, and I don't even think it's supposed. Like I don't even think it's reports at this time. I mean, uh, you know, Hopkins and, and somebody. I'm blanking on who else, but but you know, DeAndre Hopkins talked about um, you know communication issues within within the offense over the last couple uh, over the last season. Well, communication issues pretty much fall on the quarterback. So I, I just find it interesting. I'm not saying that I wouldn't have paid Kyler Murray, especially the Arizona Cardinals, who have not been able to find a franchise quarterback for the better part of their entire franchise's ex- existence. But this does feel like the one where there could have been maybe a bit more pushback from the organization uh, before they actually get, you know, a bit more pushback on, on the details or, or wait till after the season or whatever. Uh, but Kyler Murray is officially done, and he will be an Arizona Cardinal and a well compensated Arizona Cardinal for a long time.
6: I definitely think that and you mentioned this early in the program, I think it's important to remember again that this is a team that has been a barren wasteland at quarterback throughout much of its its existence. You had Jake Plummer, and you had Carson Palmer, and certainly you had Kurt Warner, who almost did win that Super Bowl. Um, but outside of that, it's been pretty slim pickings. It's been almost nothing that you could feel like you could trust. Even when you drafted Josh Rosen early in the first round, that lasted for a year and then you got him out of town. and then Kyler and Cliff Kings came in together. So I think it's that I think it's if you just look at Kyler and watch him, it's so dynamic to see what he does and how he creates and, and sometimes to his own detriment, the way he runs and all of those other kinds of things, I get it. Like you look at it and it's just it's flashy, it's fun. It's the kind of thing that you know your patrons will pay to come see. Uh, And, and again, if you're a top 10 to 15 quarterback in the league, that means you're not one of the bottom 10. And that means that – and you don't want to be in that bottom 10. And Arizona has been in that bottom 10 so much in the past that perhaps – perhaps you do a little bit of reaching. Perhaps you feel a little bit more desperate than a franchise that's had more success – at that position and maybe thinks there's another one out there. There's another guy you can get. But for Arizona in the moment, I just don't know what else was there for them. Um, with uh, With the quarterbacks that did move, the few that did move, and the ones that have already gotten paid, I mean, where was the guy coming from? Arizona's trapped because I'm not so sure Kyler Murray can win you a Super Bowl. I need to see him win a playoff game before we can get there. And the worst thing, in my opinion, the worst thing you can have in the NFL is a quarterback that's just good enough but isn't good enough. He's just good enough to make sure that you're drafting in the late teams, early 20s every year instead of drafting in the top five and getting C.J. Stroud. The best thing could happen for your Atlanta Falcons fan this year unless Des Ritter is actually going to be the truth, at which point – i'll I'll rescind this at the time but for now is to bottom out if you're a seattle fan it's exactly what you want you don't want to see him do anything you're almost worried Metcalf's being paid uh or you're worried that he's still there he's not disgruntled you want to bottom out because you don't have a quarterback drew lock nope not going to be the answer geno smith nope not going to be the answer doesn't look like garoppolo is coming there garoppolo could have won you some games but garoppolo is another one of those guys He's just well, good enough to make it hard to replace without having to give up draft assets to get up higher uh, to trade with another team. That's well, the problem for Arizona. Is is Kyler good enough to win you a Super Bowl, or is he a 10-win guy or an 11-win guy? That's good. You're winning a lot of games, but the goal of this league and, and the elite of the elite quarterbacks right now, what are they all talking about? Whether it's Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow, all of them, it's about Super Bowl success. And now that you've seen Joe Burrow do that in his second year in the NFL, when you've seen that, now that kind of becomes the blueprint. That might be outsized expectations, but if I'm paying a quarterback $160, 170000000 million guaranteed on a giant $200-plus plus million deal, I want to see that dude in the Super Bowl. I'm not paying him to win the NFC West, even if it's a good division. That dude... He earns that paycheck for me in January.
5: Another guy that, and by the way, if you missed any of the Colin Murray conversation, you go back and download the podcast. Another guy that probably fits into that category, uh, Derek Carr. Derek Carr, yep. the, the Las Vegas Raiders have reported to training camp. The whole team is there. And they're one of the few that, you know, everybody's there. They're, they're getting ready. Uh, all that good stuff. There was an interesting conversation. Of course, remember, Derek Carr uh, has a new running mate, his former college teammate. uh, Devontae Adams is now with him, former Fresno State Bulldogs, both of them. Devontae Adams is now in Vegas. Some interesting comments from Devontae Adams this afternoon.
0: I mean, anytime you change quarterbacks from, you know, Hall of Famer to
9: Hall of Famer, you go, you know, Stabler to to Rich Gannon or whoever you go to, it's going to be a
2: little bit of an adjustment. And, you know, both are are great players and and great to be around. So I'm just enjoying that
9: process and and getting better myself, you know, trying to do as much as I can to, to help these guys go out there
0: and win as many games as we can.
9: That sound courtesy of CBS Sports. First of all, I love, um,
5: you know, Devontae Adams saying, uh, you know, making sure to, to throw in the two Raiders, Raiders legends there. Legends, yeah. You know, he's he's ingratiating himself well with the fan base. But what do you think of Devontae Adams calling uh, Derek Carr a future Hall of Famer? Because, to the point you just made a minute ago, he kind of fits into that category where he's elevated the organization. Another organization that hasn't had that guy but I don't know that he's that guy that can take you much further than they, they went last year when, obviously, they got into the playoffs. See, and, yeah.
6: Yeah. I mean, see, I'm, I'm pretty high on Derek Carr. I'm high on the Raiders this year. I feel like they're being slept on by some people. Look, I'm a Denver Broncos fan, so this is very difficult for me. But what Devontae Adams is saying is similar to what Tyreek Hill said when he basically said two is better than Patrick Mahomes in this category and this category. It's mobbing for the it's mobbing for the new guy. Screw the old guy, kind of. Now Devonte Adams said Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer. If he had just said from one great quarterback to another great quarterback, this wouldn't even be talked about. It wouldn't it wouldn't be mentioned. It wouldn't matter because. You could certainly say Devontae Adams calling Derek Carr great is all right. Now, if you said from an elite quarterback to a great quarterback, you're probably more accurate, right? Because certainly Aaron Rodgers is a better overall football player with a better resume, all of that, than Derek Carr. The problem for Devontae Adams here is his bias is going to help him. It's going to help Derek Carr because they're friends, because they know each other, because they played in college, because they have that relationship. It's really hard. It's really hard to – Say negative stuff in public when you're asked, when you're biased in favor of somebody. It just is. It's difficult. Like, if somebody were to ask me about you, Torres, in some other context in an <laughs> interview, I'm not going to bury you. I would you. Because I like you. I respect you. Even though we will disagree from time to time and all that and we'll poke fun and all that other kind of stuff. I would do the same thing. I would do the same thing for Ramon Foster, my partner. In the mornings, I'll always stand up for that guy in every context, even to a fault. That's just part of human nature. So I think in the Devonte Adams case, it's a little bit more excusable than the Tyreek Hill case, uh, because one, Derek Carr's done more in this league than Tua Tagovailoa, and two. Uh, because of what I just said, there's just he's always going to say probably he's probably going to be a little bit too high on Derek Carr at all times, which great it's great because their chemistry ought to be really really good, and it, it seems like you know there's going to be there's going to be kind of a buildup in what's going on there. That's the other thing about the Raiders. Carr is sort of an interesting guy, sort of weird on social media, a little bit too much in his feelings at times. But I also think that he's a guy that when things are going going well and he's really feeling it, he can be really, really dangerous. And Devontae Adams, we already know what he's capable of and what he's gonna do. I I wasn't bothered as much by this, except that calling Derek Carr Hall of Famer sure. is preposterous. That dude needs another half decade of football higher than any level he's played to this point in his career, and at least one ship, if not two. Um to, to even be in a discussion, like right now, he's not even in the Matthew Stafford, Philip Rivers. He's not even close to that kind of discussion. That's a little bit much. But I'm just gonna, I just kind of looked at it, it's like, all right, all right. I I know what you're saying, and I know what you're doing. It's all right. I have a tremendous amount of respect for the football acumen of Devontae Adams. I th- I think that Derek Carr's best football is certainly in front of him, especially with the weapons that they have. I'm gonna give it a mild pass but certainly you get an eye roll because no one hears Derek Carr and says that's that's a lock right there that dude's going straight to Canton like no no we're, we're gonna to need to see a lot more in his career to even come close.
5: Yeah, I don't. I I think you know. It, I don't even think he really, really knew what he was saying. But it, it was an interesting quote. But it also speaks to how interesting the AFC West is as a division with four really good teams. Four teams that are playing for. They're all playing to get to the playoffs and win in the playoffs this year. I want to continue the conversation because I have two interesting thoughts on the division. We'll discuss that next. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back everybody, Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. By the way, you want to tweet into the show at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter at Jmart Radio. For the break, we were talking a little bit about some comments that Devontae Adams made, basically saying Derek Carr is a future Hall of Famer. Um, you know, whatever. I I don't I don't really care that much about the comment. But I do think it speaks to a very interesting just dynamic in, in the uh, AFC West where, um, you know, the only thing I can really equate it to is, is as we get ready for college football season, it does feel like the, a- the AFC West kind of became like the SEC West where it's like everybody's just going for it, right? And like, you know, you mentioned some teams that are kind of taking a step back and, and whatever – uh, Seattle? Are they really going to push all the chips in the middle with Drew Locke, Or are they happy to to finish? You know, to to struggle to hopefully get in position and get a good quarterback next year? Kind of same with Atlanta. Uh, you know, we'll see with a couple other teams as well. But I bring it up because you look at the AFC West: Raiders go get Devontae Adams. Uh, your Broncos went and got Russell Wilson. Um, the Chargers kind of added some some bulk on defense, Khalil Mack. This is by far the best division. By far the most fascinating division. I have like two pretty strong opinions about it but 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 you mentioned or we'll start with you mentioning last segment that you think oh, uh, Oakland the Las Vegas Raiders have a chance to be better than people think keep in mind they of course made the playoffs last year but but why do you say that Jason what makes you so confident
6: I mean look at the weapons I mean we sure. can point to teams that have had defenses that have struggled and have still won super bowls I mean Kansas City did it with just a couple of decent defensive players when you think about Carr, Carr is certainly competent, if not a little better than competent. I think he's better than competent personally. Josh Jacobs is playing for his career. He's playing for money because he didn't get the fifth year option picked up. So if he's healthy, he's got him he he has a reason, even more so than just playing football. He has a reason to be great. Devontae Adams is the best route runner in football. He's the best like first three, four yards off the line of scrimmage guy that you will find. He is an unbelievable talent. I think I'm still more fascinated to see what happens with Green Bay and Kansas City than anybody else in the league, just to see what those teams look like without Tyreek Hill, without Devontae Adams. Hunter Renfro is incredibly underrated. He's been taken care of financially. Darren Waller is an absolute weapon, and now he doesn't have to be the guy all the time, but now he's going to be doubled less. When you got Devontae Adams – Now you've got the reverse problem of Kansas City. Kansas City, I can't wait to see how many double teams Travis Kelsey has to face now that he didn't have to see when Tyreek Hill was there.
5: Let me jump in on that because that is one of my hot takes. So about, oh, I don't know, a few weeks ago I was filling in with Dan Byer and we just kind of started talking about whatever, and I I forget how the topic even came up, but um, I forget. We started talking about the AFC West and he goes, who do you realistically think is going to finish in last place? Because somebody's got to finish in last place and i don't know that this is like a 10 out of 10 in terms of my confidence like like i'm 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 sticking my you know i'm sticking my flag in the ground and planning my my opinion on this i think it's more likely than people think that Kansas City could finish in last place in this division and it sounds crazy they just went to their you know 20th straight afc championship game obviously 2 years removed from a super bowl appearance 3 years removed from a super bowl title but when I look at Kansas City, and I'm not saying like it's definitive, I'm saying on july twenty-third it's official. They're they're they they're going six and eleven. But at the same time, one, you look at their schedule, it's brutal. I mean, you right now, they have let's see here, five, seven, eight, eight of their first nine games are against teams that made the playoffs last year. And that doesn't include a back half of the schedule that includes trips to Vegas to play the Raiders, trips to L.A. to play the Chargers, the Rams at home, the Bengals, and your Denver Broncos. So the schedule is a component. The fact that the offense was really up and down last year, for some reason nobody ever wants to criticize Patrick Mahomes. He was not very good for big stretches of last season. And I do think that Tyreek Hill thing matters. Like, Like, I know there's this notion of just, you know, hey, you know, wide receivers are a dime a dozen now and you just you know you trade guys when it's time to pay them and then you get the next one there's no next Tyreek Hill 5 foot 8 with sprinter speed and I, I forget all the stats but I think you know he he uh, you know I think he had some crazy stat where he, most yards after catch or something like that because there, there's so many ways to get him the ball no Tyreek Hill I do think fundamentally changes this offense uh, the schedule is brutal. The division is brutal. Just baseline. Do you think I'm crazy for saying that I could see a very likely scenario where Kansas City finishes in last place in this division? No,
6: I could see any of the four teams finishing last in the division. So, no, I don't think so. Like, I, I I, I need to see what this mixture of wide receivers looks like for Patrick Mahomes because outside of Aaron Donald, I think Tyreek Kill's the most – irreplaceable player in the NFL because of his speed, because he can take a two-yard hook route and still make you look dumb, and because of what he can do to tire out a defense in the second half because you've had to chase him for seven to ten seconds, while the magician with the 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 magician with the football in his hand continues to keep the play alive, and eventually your defense is going to succumb to that. Him not being there makes a tremendous amount of difference. McCole uh, Hardman is super fast. I mean, that dude's a track star, too but I need to see him stop making some of the mistakes that he's made earlier in his career and step up, and maybe he's ready to do that. Sky Moore, people are pretty high on him, but I'm going to need to see that in an NFL game. There's a lot of draft picks we're high on, then we watch them, and it doesn't end up working out. This this, this is not a bat 1,000 kind of situation. No one ever has. No one ever will. Travis Kelsey has eaten because you haven't been able to double-team him because of Tyreek Hill. If that changes that could be a massive problem for Kansas City and for Andy Reid and Eric Biennemi and everybody that's helping to craft that offense for Patrick and certainly for Mahomes himself. So there's a scenario where every team in that division could finish last. Denver could do it if Russ is more the guy that we saw in the last handful of years in Seattle where it wasn't a Seattle problem, maybe it was a Russ problem if that's what happens. And certainly injuries notwithstanding, we know if a team gets injured, that's going to be it. I'm very low on the Chargers, and the reason why is because I see all this hype, and I haven't seen anything happen on the field yet. I haven't even seen them make the playoffs. I love Justin Herbert. We all do. I get it. But eventually, you got to do something with this talent, and you've got a young head coach that last year made some questionable decisions, we should say and he's going to need to clean some of that up. Or he's going to have to be right, or his team's going to have to make him look right, even if he makes uh, you know, a controversial decision. I need to see more. I need to see them actually do something. And if they get injured, I, you know, uh, just like anybody else, they can get beat. And then certainly with the Raiders, we've seen them not live up. We've also seen Josh McDaniels in the past as a head coach fail. There's a reason, there's a reason to look at all of those teams and say they could they could be in for an underwhelming year. The other thing is, there's all this speculation and all this talk out there. Oh, man, you could get three teams out of AFC West or four. They're going to beat the crap out of each other, folks. Yep. These four teams are going to destroy one another. They're going to be awesome games to watch, man. They're, it's going to be can't-miss stuff. I mean, it's my division. Again, I'm a Broncos fan. There are not three teams coming out of the West. It absolutely is not going to happen. You don't have to worry about it. We can pick the other two divisions where there's going to be somebody else coming out. I think you're getting one out of the South personally, whether it's the Titans or the Colts. I think you can get two out of the East potentially, and you could certainly get two out of the North. And that's probably about it. I do not see a universe where you're getting three out of the West because it's just going to be such a grinder for all of those teams just in the division, much less what they're playing outside the division. There are going to be some records at the end of the year where you're like, man, that was a damn good football team that just went nine and eight. Like, that's what you're about to see in the West. Two are getting out of the West because there's just too much talent in that division. But I do think that it's going to be an interesting case study at how, how great a difficult division actually is because we've never seen something quite like this. This is the greatest quarterback division in the history of the NFL. You will not find another one better. And it's just going to take its toll, Aaron.
5: Well, I'll tell you what, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I also have one other, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to call it hot take, but but strong opinion on the AFC West we're going to discuss that next before we do though let's get to Steve DeSager third time this evening what's trending DeSager
8: hello guys the AFC West quarterbacks this year are Herbert and Russell Wilson Derek Carr Patrick Mahomes the AFC West quarterbacks in 1983 were Dan Fouts John Elway Jim Plunkett and don't forget, Seattle was in the AFC West back then. So Jim Zorn and Dave Craig worked into there. You are absolutely right on the Charger comments. We haven't seen it yet. Standing by, should be talented, should be in the mix. Yes. And as far as fourth and Staley, as it got called, with the coach going for it on fourth down so often, I could see why initially, because they started the season seven for seven on fourth downs. It's the reason why they won at Kansas City early. It's also probably the reason why they lost to Kansas City late. Seeker, don't
5: steal my segment for
8: next segment. do Guess Guess what is the first of those Thursday night streaming games once we get to the regular season it's Chargers at Kansas City in mid-September. And by the way
5: iconic game last year at uh, SoFi Stadium between those two last Yeah, years. it I'm was a great Thursday
6: night game.
8: Yeah, maybe even topped by the classic finale to the whole regular season, the Chargers at Raiders finish, which was yes. just silly. I mean, it just got even better than that, if possible. And I like your comment about Tyreek Hill. I looked up, there was an SI offseason article about, is he a deep threat? And the answer really was no, because the Chiefs threw about twice as many passes to Hill last year at the line of scrimmage or behind it, as they did 30 yards yeah, downfield. Yeah, that was the stat, to say, yep. And Mahomes, in fact, in going 30 yards or deep on a pass attempt to Hill Patrick Mahomes was 4 of 16 on those. They did draw 3 defensive penalties, but yeah, it was a little bit bit different than the perception. As for the MLB, the late game was at Oakland. It is finished on FS1. The A's 3-1 winners over the Rangers, who committed three errors. Dodgers won their 7th in a row, 4-2 over San Francisco. Atlanta sent the Angels to a 5th straight loss, 7-2. Meanwhile, the Mets were beaten at home. San Diego's Manny Machado with a 2-run homer, 2-1 Padres, the final. The first Place Mets in the NL East, just a half game ahead of the Braves now. Elsewhere, it was St. Louis and Milwaukee each winning, so the first place Brewers in the Central, still a game and a half over the Cardinals. Baltimore trailed the Yankees and Garrett Cole 3-0 in the 5th and still came back to beat them 6-3. Minnesota finally back playing tonight. They were still on All-Star break this whole time until this evening. 8-4 Minnesota won at Detroit. Cubs in 10 innings won at Philadelphia 6-2. Justin Verlander in Houston got a 3-1 win at Seattle today. Verlander 13-3. Toronto won its fifth straight game. 4-1 at Boston. Winning pitcher All-Star Alec Manoa. Not mic'd up apparently tonight. 11-4 for the Blue Jays at the World Track and Field Championships in Oregon. The U.S. won the women's 4-by-100-meter relay beating Jamaica in the men's Relay Canada defeated the US Canadian Damian Warner left the decathlon with a hamstring injury Denny Hamlin are in the NASCAR poll for tomorrow at Pocono Noah Gregson won the Xfinity race I mentioned the NFL schedule. Don't forget the full release when it came out shows three NFL games on Christmas this year, which falls on a Sunday. That includes Rams-Denver, and the Rams' defending champs will have the opening night game Thursday, September 8th, hosting Buffalo. The preseason opener is a Thursday night, August 4th, the Hall of Fame game with Raiders-Jaguars. Rookies continue to report to training camps through Tuesday. For most teams, vets report on Tuesday. Titans rookies reported to camp today. Tennessee signed third-round quarterback Malik Willis from Liberty. The Bengals place five players on the physically unable to perform list, including running back Samaje Pirine. Tackle Lyle Collins on the non-football injury list now. The Lions hired former Ohio State quarterback J.T. Barrett as an offensive assistant. The Rams signed quarterback Luis Perez from the USFL. Baltimore waived defensive back Iman Marshall, and the felony battery case against Saints running back Alvin Kamara is due back in court August 1st. He was arrested during Pro Bowl weekend in Vegas. Back to you.
5: Thanks, Steve Seger. This is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. Uh, and Seger just kind of referenced what kind of my my second, I, I guess, strong opinion would be on the AFC West. We started talking Raiders. I, I, I kind of explained why I think the the Chiefs could finish in last place. I think there's a weirdly Big microscope on Brandon Staley this year as a head coach. Um, You know, obviously, you know, it's weird, right? Because year one, almost make the playoffs. You have Justin Herbert. So I think there's this notion that, you know, listen, I mean, unless something disastrous happens, whatever, who cares? But I look at it, and DeSager referenced that final, I guess it would be Week 18 now game against the Raiders, where he made... You know, I don't want to call them baffling decisions because he used whatever analytics he believed were important in that moment to make those decisions, but they were just not sound, solid decisions. And sometimes uh, you got to balance the yes, we're a team that relies on analytics or or believes in analytics, with somebody that isn't over reliant on them. And so, you know, as DeSager said, started out the season well analytically. A lot of things worked out really well for them. They kind of got their pants pulled down in that Raiders game to end the season. Raiders obviously have the walk-off field goal to make the playoffs. And I just sit there and say, I think there's going to be a bigger microscope. And I think if this guy goofs off too much and this guy makes every – I guess what I would say is this. Everything that he does is going to be under a microscope. And when it doesn't work out, I think last year it was like, well, you know, it's the analytics. What are you going to do? Whereas this year I think it will be like, oh, Staley did it again. What's he going to do next? And I think it's going to be a bigger talking point. I think it's going to put more pressure on him where I don't think he can be – I don't want to say he can't be as reliant, but I I don't think he should be um, because I just just think the way last season ended was a really bad look for him and there's going to be a bigger microscope.
6: Well, there's definitely going to be a bigger microscope because everybody's telling you they've got a top five roster or they've got a top three roster. Here comes Khalil Mack. Here comes J.C. Jackson. Justin Herbert's a wonder kid. Um, you've got all the receiving talent. You've got Eckler, who's a drastically underrated back. Like you, uh, Everything is set up. And that's why I look at this, and I'm just like, I'm waiting for this to fail. I'm waiting for this to fail. And it's not necessarily Brandon Staley, but there's a lot of pressure on Brandon Staley because with great power, and in this case, with great roster, comes great responsibility. And right now, because the Super Bowl, you tell me, you correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, but the Super Bowl's not handed out on July 23rd. It is it's, not. It, it's a, you. You don't get that invite. You don't make the playoffs in July either. Cleveland Browns often made the playoffs in July every year <laughs> over the last like four or five years because they got a top five roster. Here's GQ. Here's ESPN the magazine. Here's everybody telling you how great the Browns are, and then the Browns go play football, and they are still the Browns. And in this case, the difference is you've got a quarterback that you like a heck of a lot more than the Browns with Mayfield, even though at the time, people were buying into Mayfield as well. I just look at the Chargers and I say, that's a whole lot of hype for a team that hadn't done squat. That's a whole lot of hype for a team that hasn't been in the playoffs. That's a whole lot of hype for a guy that's in his second year as head coach and the first year didn't exactly go swimmingly. That's a lot. That's a lot on a bunch of young guys to coalesce in a division that, as we've just discussed over the last 10 minutes or so, is an utter meat grinder. And there's dudes in that division that have Super Bowls. None of them are on the Chargers, though. Like The quarterback doesn't exist on the Chargers. Uh, yes, the Raiders have the same problem, but, yeah, the Chiefs, that that's Super Bowl-winning quarterback. Broncos, that's Super Bowl-winning quarterback. The Chargers, to me, there's just so much hype, it makes me immediately think, this is going to be the one that when we get to the end of the year, we're still wondering why this didn't happen. And that that and it could just so easily happen because of the difficulty of winning in the league, period, and certainly in a division like the AFC West. But to the point specifically about Staley, again, with great roster comes great responsibility. He's got the roster. Everybody tells you that every time you look. Go read any preview magazine go listen to any nfl podcast look at what they did in the draft look at free agency look at the roster stuff on espn that bill barnwell's put up and all this the weapons everybody loves the chargers and so the coach better get it done because it's going to fall on him first and then eventually we're going to get to that point where you start looking at the quarterback because the quarterback takes a lion's share of the blame but right now, Staley is the one guy where the microscope has to be biggest because you can't squander talent like this. If, if everybody's telling well, you you have all this talent and the coach isn't winning, then it's going to be on the coach.
5: Well, and you can't squander talent in situations where you're not putting your team in the best position to succeed, which I don't care what the numbers say when you're going for it inside your own 20, you know, deep in, you know, deep in your own territory on fourth down in key spots. I don't care what the numbers say. It doesn't make you, you look good, and it doesn't put your team in the best position to win. Really quickly, you being a Broncos guy, didn't turn <laughs> plan to turn this whole hour into an uh, AFC West talk. But uh, you know, Russell Wilson's there, and I think it's interesting. I mean, you watch the team more closely than I do. I think that there's a lot of talent around him. I, I do think like this narrative of like, oh, they were just a quarterback away. Like I don't know that they're, 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 their talent is quite as good as a lot of people have made it out to be, but Russell Wilson is there now uh, as a Broncos fan, I know you're excited, but, but what do you deem realistic expectations?
6: I need to see it, but the roster is, again, uh, but I'm not going to be hypocritical in this case and say anything about the roster because the roster, so far, is good as the roster we're told it is. And as we know, look, Justin Simmons was the top of Fowler's NFL executives insiders list at safety position. We understand Bradley Chubb hasn't necessarily lived up to the fifth pick, but he has been good if he can stay healthy. The receivers, the receiving talent is outrageous on the team. Judy's the guy that really needs to step up, but we know what he's capable of doing. Javante Williams, I do think, is a stud. And I think you saw enough out of that in his rookie season to know it. Noah Fant played well, but I remember hearing uh, our Fox colleague, Mark Salero, say, I'm glad Fant was part of the deal instead of Sertan because the guy backing up Fant is better than Fant. Everybody in the building knew it already. So they you know basically the Seahawks bought into that, and that's exactly what the Broncos wanted him to do. The roster is very good. it really is. The question is, is unrestrained Russ with an offensive minded head coach? who apparently wants to run the exact same system that Russ wants to run and that they're on the same page and they're speaking every day and they're hanging out and they're building chemistry, is that going to unlock the Russ that we haven't seen in a while or maybe the Russ we've never seen before? That's that's the answer. It's like, is Nathaniel Hackett going to be the secret to Russell Wilson the way Sean McVay was for Matthew Stafford? That's the question that still needs to be answered. I don't know how I feel. I'm excited because I love Russell Wilson and and I want to see him in a Broncos uniform and I'm really excited for what it could look like. But I'm also cautious because it could go south. It could go south really easily and there's a possibility that some of the knocks on Wilson over the last couple of years, there's some legitimacy behind him. We're going to get answers to a whole lot of questions about guys this year across the NFL. I think that makes the season so interesting even past who's going to end up in the super bowl is like who's going to underperform expectations and who's going to prove various narratives about them true and or false during the course of the season i think we have more of those kinds of questions entering this season because of some of the moves that have been made the blockbuster changes that have happened in the league that to me makes this season so much more interesting
5: This is Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. Coming up, DeSager rejoins us. Extended segment. He's got some great stuff on two red-hot MLB baseball teams. That's next, Fox Sports Radio.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables.
5: Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday evening. As we do every week at this time, want to bring in DeSager for an extended segment. DeSager, what do you got for us this evening?
8: Well, an odd night for baseball last night and maybe an odder one tonight. Uh, last night, in case you didn't see, the Red Sox lost at home 28-5 to to the Toronto Blue Jays and then lost to them again today. So Boston's I s- lost four in a row.
5: I saw everyone making the same joke when Boston was down 25-3. to Everyone kept making the... Toronto needs three more runs before Boston gets serious. You know, like the Super Bowl reference, 28-3. Uh-huh. 20, 20, I saw about 10 people make that reference. I was all
8: expecting ones. some sort of CFL or rouge comment or some sort of scoring with there. But here we had all those runs last night. And by the way, the Red Sox going into today in just a three-game span, including whatever that was last night, they had given up 55 runs, which is almost the record of the last century of the major leagues for how bad you can be in a three-game span. But then major league-wide, the folks at Stats, Inc. just passed this along, that here we had a full day on the schedule, and nobody, not one player, had a two-homer game, Nobody had two steals in a game. Not one player scored three runs in any of the games today. Certainly nobody threw a complete game. After all the scoring last night, no team scored ten runs in any game today. No team won via walk-off. They say in MLB history, when you have a schedule with ten or more games, when it was full like today, there's been 10,000 days like that in MLB history and never a day like this where none of those things happened. Not one. That's a But we did have a ball So you're telling me it
6: was a boring day of
8: baseball. Compared to last night, yes. No, there was a lot that went on today. It's just we had a lot of offense and not very good pitching, as it turns out. And if you saw the the inside-the-park grand slam at Fenway, you had a center fielder lose the fly ball and then actually not turn around and go after it at the outfield wall. He let the left fielder run all the way to the center field warning track to get it. So some were saying, I would have pulled him right then. As for the Orioles, believe it or not, they came back and beat the Yankees and Garrett Colt tonight six to three the baltimore orioles just three short seasons ago at one point had a record of 47 and 115 they are in contention for a playoff berth this year just last year the orioles late in the season were 47 and 102 right now they're 47 and 47 and keep in mind there is one extra playoff berth for wild card in the new format in each league Red hot, not only the Dodgers, but the Atlanta Braves, who had another sellout crowd tonight, about 43,000 in attendance, one of their largest crowds since the park opened five years ago. And when they score first, they usually win. Best record in the majors in that category. Atlanta's record, 43-7 and when they score first in a game. And red hot, not only the winner on the mound, Kyle Wright, is 12-4, but Austin Riley hit his 28th home run of the season. He has three hits. His batting average is over 290, a 15-game hitting streak. This guy is hitting well over 400 his last 20 games but the Braves have the best record in the majors since June 1st, 35-11. and 11. The Dodgers won their seventh in a row, beat the rival Giants again 4-2. Dodger third baseman Justin Turner out this weekend at least with an abdominal injury, but the three All-Stars had solo homers. Mookie Betts is 22nd. Trey Turner hit one out. He's batting over 300. Freddie Freeman a solo homer. He's batting 324. Pitcher Clayton Kershaw starts tomorrow. The Dodgers have won 18 of their last 20 games. How do the sports TV ratings do this week well wednesday night was the sb awards on abc 2.5 million viewers baseball all-star game 7.5 million on fox the night before in fact the previous night the home run derby on cable got 6.9 million which means the baseball all-star game and the home run derby each Mm -hmm. got better ratings than this year's pro bowl or nba all-star game or certainly higher than the nhl all-star game And and I mentioned on the show before us tonight that the revenue numbers are out from the Green Bay Packers, which is always an indicator of what NFL teams get because we find out the Packers numbers because it's a publicly traded company. Total expenses last year for the Green Bay organization was about five hundred million dollars they spent. So you've got to get revenues of over five hundred mil to turn a profit. They turned a profit of $77 million last year. Now, with the pandemic, the previous year, they'd actually lost money. They didn't have full houses. But now, larger local revenues, an extra home game for them as well. Just by being in the NFL, your franchise gets nearly $350 million from the league as your cut of the billions in the pie. That includes the national TV money. The exact number the Packers receive from the league, $347 million. You get to add that to your bottom line, hence a profit for the Packers and I'm sure many others.
5: Thank you, Steve Saker. This is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. Coming up, hour Man, four. Man, I haven't got
6: to do my ESPYs rant,
5: Torres. Well, guess what we're doing in hour four? That baby birdie frattle will join us. I have a question for you. But first, Jason Martin's Espies rant. You do not want to miss this. Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in, everybody. Hour four. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. Fox Sports Radio Saturday night. Fun show so far. Covered some Kyler Murray news, some college football. Uh, Bernie Friday will join us in about 20 minutes from now, straight out of Vegas. Of course, you can listen to Bernie at the top of the hour. Uh, and I do have a couple NBA-related questions for Jason. But before we get to that, Jason, sounds like somebody's got something you want to say about the uh, the ESPY Awards. So, so the floor is yours. I'm going to step aside. What is Jason Martin's ESPYs take? I'm curious here.
6: All right, so I realized that we hadn't been hosting together during an SB's time, so you haven't got to hear this before. Ooh. The ESPYs is dumb. Like <laughs> really, really just butt stupid in my opinion. And the main reason why is because we already have awards in sports. There's already there's already, you know, MVP trophies and everything else, but there's things that are given out like you give out the Oscars because those are the honors for the movies that came out outside of like your box office receipts and all that kind of stuff. The various awards are the accolades for those films, but in the NBA, they give away a trophy at the end of the season for the champion. And they give away a most valuable player award to the most valuable player in that league. And they have this thing called the super bowl and the Lombardi trophy in the NFL. Then they have a world series trophy then they have something called the Stanley Cup. It's this big thing. A lot of people drink things out of it uh, in hockey. And then they have trophies for all the majors in golf. And they give away this nice little plate to the women at Wimbledon and this big cup to the men at Wimbledon. All sports are played for the purpose of crowning champions. We don't need an award show when the entire sport itself, the entire sports landscape is the award show. We've watched all of this, and we have crowned the champions based on what they've done on the field. We we understand this. And in the media, we're giving out AP awards. We're giving away Fox Sports awards. All these other kinds of things, and then everything's decided on the field in terms of the actual championship. Your award show doesn't need to exist. All right, so if... So James Kahn passed away. James Kahn first paragraph of his obituary will be you know, what he was nominated for, all those other kinds of things. When all of the great actors of this generation pass on, the first paragraph of their obituary is going to include three-time Oscar winner, two-time Oscar nominee, whatever that is, because those accolades have meaning. Dude, how far in LeBron James's obituary will you have to go before they mention 14-time SB winner, 12-time <laughs> SB nominee, all of that kind of thing. Like, there are the trophies that you put on the mantle, and then there are the ones that go in a drawer, and then there are the ones that are in the garage in a cardboard box that might just be thrown out in a yard sale or when it's time for bulk giveaways, we're just going to put this in the old trash can. They can take this one away. The reason I have a problem with the ESPYs is it's a celebration of something that's already celebrated with awards. It's just this love fest for the network that created it to sit there and celebrate sports in a way that it's already celebrated because sports never stops aaron like that's that's it's just a such a meaningless deal like who even knows like who that's won espies that's like a legit star in sports that has any idea how many espy awards they've won Or how many times they've been nominated. How many of them didn't even know they were nominated? Probably. Found it out later on. Some friends say, hey man, I saw the ESPYs. Uh, I saw that you were nominated for uh, Best Individual Male Athlete. I was? I have no idea. Like, I would rather get the Slime Award from the Kids' Choice Awards than I would the ESPY if I was a top-flight athlete. That would be my rant.
5: That is unbelievable. That's probably your best best rant that I've heard. And I would say, and I've heard some good USFL rants too, by the way. Um, you know, I guess what I would say is I had never really taken into consideration that, yeah, we don't really need to award awards to people who, um, by nature, there is a definitive winner and loser. Um, and then I guess I had never really thought about the fact of how insignificant it is to even those that, not only those that won, but to those of us that, like, f- cover sports as a living, like, nobody can name any SB winner uh, from previous years. I'd take it a step further to say I don't even think I can name categories. I mean, I think there's, like, a best NBA player, but it seems kind of counterintuitive when we have a, 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 a NBA, you know, MVP. Right. Um, so I had never really taken that much time to think about it. It's just not something that interests me. Um, it's a self-serving thing. I get why it's done. It's a way for that network uh, to promote itself, and uh, frankly, just also just have something sort of sports content related to have on a day when there's no sports. Um, but I, I couldn't even venture to guess the last time that I that I watched it. Um, I would venture to guess that outside of the Jim Valvano speech, I don't think anybody can remember. I don't remember any memorable moments from oh, it. Oh, there's
6: one. There's one. Uh, Jimmy V oh, is number one. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner. No, 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 no. I mean, okay, Craig good. Sager was very good. Oh, Craig like, Sager was good. You've had those right. kind of moments, but the best moment outside of Jimmy V—that's on a different, totally different level—is Norm Macdonald. Is Norm Macdonald's monologue?
5: It was pretty good. I
6: which know. is well worth if you have not, if you're out there and you have not heard it, go to YouTube. Just one of the most brilliant comedians of all time, who we sadly lost um, last year. Norm Macdonald's monologue was so biting and so direct, it was hilarious unless you were in the room and you got to see, maybe for the first time ever, athletes reveal how fragile their egos actually were. Like, we all sit around and we have very fragile egos and pride gets us all and all this. We see athletes and a lot of times we see them the way that they want us to see them. Unless they're on a police blotter or something like that, just like we could be on a police blotter. But them sitting there, and this comedian lampooning them and them not being able to hide their scorn and disdain for this just revealed to all of us what athletes are and it's they're just like us and of course he told an oj joke as well because he's norm mcdonald and he's just he's gonna do it his way it is an absolute treasure if you have not seen that watch the athletes reaction when norm calls them out individually during that monologue that is the greatest moment outside of jimmy v and SB's history and then when you get to the rest of it outside of the the stuff with sager and and that kind of thing which we can put in a different category i, I just it is the most meaningless nothing award show and that's covering ground because a lot of award shows feels like they're meaningless. That joint is meaningless.
5: Very interesting. I had never taken the time to consider that, but uh, I probably because I just don't care. Um,
6: exactly, exactly, Aaron. And you love sports like you eat. Drink, you you're watching spring games. You're sure going is, to spring games. I did go to you're Atlanta. on the west coast and you were in Atlanta this past week. I found out at no, SEC I, media. I, I days. actually wasn't. I Yo, wasn't. you weren't there. No, Your I people had a, were there yeah, though, right? I had,
5: I had an intern there. Yeah, I did a radio gotcha. interview this morning and they were like, "So tell us about SEC media days." And I was like, "I didn't have the heart to say that." Yeah, I just I sat this one out. I uh, okay,
6: okay. Well, fair tough. enough. But you you you're. you're I, you're, it's not. It's not out yes. of bounds to think you would have done that. You love no. sports. You absolutely love it. You cherish it. It's your life. It's what we get paid to do. We don't say, man. Did you see that Steph Curry won best male? I don't even know who won. I know he hosted, but I, I don't even know who won. I don't know who won a single award because I don't care. I care more that the Braves won seven to two last night. Than I do anything about an ESPY Award show because yet again, I don't care who you tell me the team of the year is. I know the Rams won the Super Bowl, <laughs> yeah. and like that that that's that's where it goes to me. I understand how this whole thing works. I understand Kansas winning the national championship. I understand the Georgia Bulldogs. I understand that that's what sports exists to do. Award honors for people who win championships. So don't give me a trophy and a four-hour ESPYs presentation to just—I I don't even know—it's it, a fluffer for the network. That—that's mainly what it is, and it's just become increasingly. It's just—I see it every year, and I just get irrationally upset because I'm just like, why are we still doing this? Like, why are we still doing this grift? And DeSager said it in the last hour: two and a half million viewers. Okay. Let's just say this: If we can put the Pro Bowl out to pasture, can we please put this farce out to pasture as well?
5: Very interesting. Had not considered it. Uh, Bernie will be joining us in about ten minutes from now. I, I did have a an, an NBA segment I wanted to get All to. Right. Uh, we we don't have very much time, but I'll, I'll just I'll just throw a very simple question out there, and you tell me, you know, and we can kind of go from there before we bring in Bernie here in a few minutes. Why isn't Kevin? Why is there no trade market for Kevin Durant? I, like, like, I think there, like there is one, but I don't think it's nearly as robust as everybody made it out to be. Um, I have some thoughts, as I always do, uh, but I'll throw it to you first. I, I, I find it very interesting that maybe the most talented basketball player in the world doesn't want to be where he is, and nobody seems to be willing to give up an arm and a leg to get him.
6: So here's the problem as it relates to this for Kevin Durant. If this woman you're with you're you're you she's cheating on her husband with you how could you ever trust her enough to marry her because if she cheated on her husband with you in the back of your head even if it's five percent you're never going to be quite sure that she's not cheating on you with the next guy that's the problem i look at this and i say to myself Kevin Durant is maybe the best basketball player in the world even now. Giannis is my guy right now. I believe Giannis is the most talented basketball player in the world. I believe he presents the most problems of any player in the world in terms of trying to defend him, trying to deal with all of what he does. I think he is the guy. But Kevin Durant is right there. So why would you? Why would this not happen? Why wouldn't you want to do this? This is the equivalent of... Patrick Mahomes being out there it's the equivalent of something like that like all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers really it really does want out and actually he's gettable but if you don't think the guy's going to stay with you because of what you've seen him do already in his career then are you going to wager a Scotty Barnes are you going to wager a young star against somebody that well look he has had a torn Achilles he is getting a little bit older and the biggest thing is, just like when we were talking about Kyler Murray, if I'm paying that dude, if I'm bringing that dude in in that moment and I'm going to have to gut my franchise in order to do it or give up the future to do it, I need that guy to be a leader. And I think Kevin Durant just wants to play basketball. Yep. I think he wants to be an elite basketball player, but he doesn't want to be a leader. That would make me hesitate, as was the fact that – or as is the fact – that we haven't even begun the four-year extension that he signed last year, and he's already telling you he wants out. How could I trust him to bring him into my organization because I just saw what happened the last time he got his way? uh, He got very malcontented very quickly, and now he's reportedly wanting out. Conflicting idea of maybe he did that just to get Kyrie out. I don't buy that. But generally speaking, I just kind of say, I've seen this before. I saw what you did before. I'm a little bit scared for you to come in here right now and wreck something. If I if I have a young player that I like, I don't know if I want to hand that guy away for somebody that that's that is increasingly feels like a mercenary if that makes any sense
5: well i think you hit on exactly what my thoughts are is that i i just don't think you can mortgage your your entire future for a guy that is perpetually unhappy and we've we've all been through it everybody on this network has obviously talked about kevin durant um but you know had a great thing going in okc okay we get it westbrook's a lot to deal with goes to Golden State. He's not happy there. Finally lands in a spot where oh, I'm playing with my best friend. I and and I mean, you know, my frustration the day that Kevin Durant demanded that trade was dude, okay, you're unhappy in, in uh, OKC, okay, I get it. You're unhappy in Golden State. I I actually did kind of get it like you're Steph's you're never going to it's never going to be your team whatever. But you picked your your teammates, you picked the head coach, you picked the city. Um, you pick the surrounding parts in terms of outside of Kyrie. And the guy's just never happy. And so it, I don't see the scenario where he you know, immediately becomes happy somewhere else or stays happy over the long term. And I just don't think you can gut your franchise. By the way, like when the, um, when the Golden State Warriors conversation started to come up these last few weeks, I said, I don't get that either. It'd be one thing if the Warriors fell short. It'd be one thing if they didn't make the finals. It'd be one thing if they even got to the finals and didn't win. But when you're the reigning champ... And you're pretty set up pretty nicely for not just the present to maybe go back to back next year, but the future with a lot of young talent. Jordan Poole, uh, you know, Kaminga, maybe, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a- Andrew Wiggins is still pretty young. And you're going to give up all that to get Kevin Durant to, to, to have a championship window when you're already in a championship window coming off a championship? I didn't get it. And I'll say this, I, I think it's increasingly likely that he's back there in Brooklyn next year because there just does not seem to be – I don't want to say there's no market, but no market relative to what you're, what, is, what is a realistic trade haul for the Nets in terms of, um, yeah, there's a market, but they're not going to give him up for nothing either fascinating to watch and we'll see it all unfold fox sports radio aaron torres jason martin here on a saturday night coming up we go out to vegas bernie frado has got some good stuff for us as always on some college football on some betting on all things uh, pretty much everything bernie Frado is next aaron torres jason martin fox sports radio
0: there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you coming
7: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
5: Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. The best walk-up music in radio when you hear Big Pimpin' at 120- Eastern time, every Saturday. What it's really Sunday Eastern time. That means one thing: we're going out to Vegas. Bernie Freddo, what's up, Bernie?
9: Uh, gentlemen, and you know, not for nothing, the Dodgers, Rangers, and Cincinnati Reds once had a player, ten-year major league career, named Cecil Espy. I know DeSager will remember this. Wonder if Cecil yeah. Espy ever won an ESPY award. Nobody would remember except
5: for him. Maybe not even he his would, family.
9: <laughs> you know, the SBA awards kind of remind me of a guy who throws a surprise birthday party for himself, and <laughs> parks his own car down the street two blocks away, so no one knows he's there right yet. Oh okay. my goodness! I'm good night. I'm done.
5: All right, bird. Well, let's get to some serious stuff. First of all, I say it every week, but uh, you know, especially matters in the Midwest. Um, your time in in um, in Detroit and in Michigan is so. You know, it's so valuable to us. And obviously all the talk right now in college sports remains on if there is another move for the Big Ten. Are you hearing anything interesting with the Big Ten and Notre Dame specifically?
9: Yeah, you brought this up a couple of weeks ago, Aaron, really got my uh, uh, got my interest because I'm of the belief Notre Dame will never join a conference. But uh, Dan Patrick reported the other day that NBC and Notre Dame are negotiating. Uh, for a a $75 million contract, TV contract, NBC currently pays Notre Dame about $15 million annually. So I really looked into this, made a few calls. Here's the bottom line. He's not wrong, but Notre Dame is very much taking a wait-and-see. There's a wait-and-see component to this thing. It, It turns out that that deal may be predicated on Notre Dame joining the Big Ten. Notre Dame wants their independence. They want their money and they want a defined path to the playoff. They want their cake and eat it too. So what they want to see are a couple of things. Uh, One, the college football playoff in its current format expires in 2025. They want to see what the next format is going to look like because if it's very sort of at-large friendly, well, Notre Dame is not inclined to want to join uh, a conference. So as long as they can get their money, and if they have to join a conference, they will. But if they can get, like, maybe $60 million from NBC and not have to join a conference, uh, then that's good enough for them. They don't really need to make $100 million a year. Plus, they share money in other ways. Uh, they do just fine. So that, the long and the short of it is nothing is going to happen for about a year. That's what I'm told. A year from now could get much more interesting, uh, and then two years from now, maybe even more so. But for now, I'm kind of sticking to my guns. It's going to take a lot for Notre Dame to move.
6: Well, it's also the idea, right, Bernie, that Notre Dame loves to feel special. They love to feel different. They love to feel unique. If the next situation is 12 teams, it's a 12-team expanded playoff, a lot of which are not automatic qualifiers – then, the most, then maybe the pathway still exists out there for them to continue to be that independent, that one that's out there. It's like, yeah, we're not part of the Big Ten Network because we're NBC. And if NBC is willing to pay enough money for that, they're still able to kind of pick and choose their schedule, then why would they necessarily feel that need to join a conference?
9: Exactly right. And the only way they really would benefit from further realignment is if they do join the Big Ten But uh, I'm also told that the conference, the Big Ten Conference, has no current plans right now to add any additional teams. So a lot of talk, a lot of speculation, but I think you're going to have to let this play out because there are a lot of moving parts. And you bring up a good point about the 12-team playoff. I absolutely believe, based on people I've talked to, The NCAA and a lot of the member conferences are ruining the day they couldn't come to an agreement last January on this playoff expansion. It would have solved a lot of problems, and I'm told it probably would have prevented USC and UCLA from leaving the Pac-12. Well,
5: what's really interesting, Byrne, Jason and I didn't have a chance to talk about it earlier, but Greg Sankey, the commissioner at SEC Media Days this week, said – we're gonna draw. We're gonna we're gonna scrap everything that we've talked about and go back to plan one. And I, th- I think he thought he was being nice last time around, and I don't he think was. he. he pl- yeah, I don't think he plans on being nice this time around. Real quick, Burn. One thing, another topic, Jason and I. I want to get to. We haven't had a chance yet. Uh, we saw the report. Something that you've told us for a few weeks is that the Raiders officially had the the highest ticket sales out there in Vegas. I remember talking to you about this probably two three weeks ago. Um, just the 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 you know the interest locally with the the local fan base the traveling fans does this come as a surprise to the folks at the Raiders is this exceeding their expectations or is this pretty much what they were planning for when they decided to move to Vegas
9: it's pretty much expected because Las Vegas is an international destination and so when you create a situation where there are eight home games from visiting teams not just the uh the the same Divisional teams that visit here, you know, Kansas City, Denver, and the Chargers, but other non-divisional teams from the various, conf- from, you know, around the country, fans plan their junkets and their vacations and their boondoggles around the football game in Vegas, so it creates an incredibly... High artificial, uh, d- you know, demand over the you know the finite supply. So it's really as simple that as simple as that. Um, Vegas is a place people want to be, especially if their favorite football team is here. The Raiders have benefited from that. Plus, the Raiders are close to California. We get a great California crowd. The Raider Nation, a lot of Raider Nation folks live in California. They still come in the game. So it all adds up to be sort of the perfect storm. What do you think about the AFC West as
6: a whole right now, Barry, I know we're getting to the point where we can actually start to look at divisions. And we talked a lot about the AFC West a little earlier in the program. I need to see it with the Chargers. I'm not really buying all of this hype because I've heard of a lot of rosters that have won titles in J- in July that then get to January and we're wondering why they're not in the playoffs. So I need to see that before I can believe it. Denver, we got to see what the what the Russ situation is, uh, whether or not he's able to kind of get back to where. Where he was Kansas City without Tyreek Hill is the most one of one player in the league in, in my opinion outside of Aaron Donald and then you've got the Raiders and because of your experience there and knowledge of Vegas the Raiders are the team I still feel like are being slept on I think the Raiders are really good I think their offense is really good I, I think that Carr has not played his best football Do you
9: agree Do you think I'm off base Well the Raiders certainly have a lot of weapons You bring in Devonte Adams to pair him up with. Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, and I think it's all all of a sudden one of the best groups in the league. Unfortunately, one of the uh, you know the biggest challenges for the Raiders is their offensive line. That's going to be an issue. You bring up the Chargers, they pick up uh, Khalil Mack to join Joey Bosa, probably the best edge rush in tandem in football. But again, they have weaknesses in the rest of their interior line. Ru- uh, Denver picks up Russell Wilson. Now, for my money, they may have the best weapons of anybody with Jerry Judy, Cortland Mm -hmm. Sutland, KJ Hamler out of Penn State, Tim Patrick. They had to give up Noah Fant, but they're going to be loaded. But Denver no longer has the great pass rush. Until you slay the Dragon, which are the Kansas City Chiefs, and yes, they're going to miss Tyreek Hill. It's primarily going to change how teams defend Kansas City more than anything else. But I still think Kansas City, with Patrick Mahomes in their DNA, are the favorites. The rest of that they're going to beat each other up. You're going to have to win in your non-conference games and you're going to have to win on the road. Pick which team you think can do that. Which can be the most conf- the most successful in their non-conference games and the most uh, successful in winning their road games and you're going to find your AFC West winner. They always people are saying, "Well, this is one division. It wouldn't surprise me if any of the four finished first or any of the four finished last." I don't know if I go that far. Chiefs ain't finishing last. Whoa!
5: Shots fired because I said Torres. I thought they might. Well, me, me, and Bernie I, I o-
9: didn't hear the story earlier. So if you said it, Aaron, I respect you, man. I, by the <laughs> way, I want to give you a little props quickly on college football, Aaron. Right after the the, the playoff game uh, last year between Alabama and Georgia, uh, you know, you you right away started to talk about would Will Anderson win the uh, uh, yes, w- w- you know, win the Heisman Trophy this year. Well, a better came in this week to Caesars and put eleven hundred dollars to win 44,000, 40 40-to-1 odds on Will Anderson. And there's a couple things you've got to remember. And by the way, week two, September 10th, Alabama, I, th- I think the game is in Texas. I have to look it It up, is, but, yeah, Austin. Okay, yes. Uh, he'll probably open up a can of whoop-ass on Texas. Well, <laughs> and he'll have a great game in front of everybody. And I think that's going to set the stage. You often know a Heisman Trophy winner sets the tone early, gets out in front like a horse race, and sees if he can hold on. So let's not forget, A, who won it last year, Bryce Young. Other than Archie Griffin, there's never been a repeat winner. I don't think they'll give it to Bryce Young. And number two, let's look who finished second last year, Aiden Hutchinson, who a lot of people thought would. I think the the stars are aligning, and if Alabama runs the table, they don't exactly have a daunting schedule, unless you count Austin P and Utah State and Louisiana Monroe as a daunting schedule. Their biggest game, obviously, is October 8th at Texas A&M, and maybe Will Anderson makes his bones then. But top uh, props to you, Aaron, because you said months ago, keep an eye on Will Anderson. And I'll tell you right now, I almost never bet props, but I may throw a few shekels on Will Anderson at 40-1. to 1.
6: Yeah, last He should have won it last year. He was the best yeah, player in college fair. football last year.
5: That's fair. Well, I and agree. I, and that is a large part of why I think, and we'll wrap on this, but, you know, is that I think there's a lot of negative things about social media, but I do think some things about social media are positive where the momentum already started last year um, it was a huge thing in the Alabama community that he didn't even get invited to New York. And so I, I do think it's going to be one of those things where unless there's a court, court, yeah, th- where, where national right, people that cover the sport are going to be sitting here saying, this guy, bet, you know, don't sleep on this guy. Don't just give it to a
9: quarterback because we always do. So that was kind of my thought there. Did you have hey, something to add, Bert? i give Burn? you guys top credit. You just nailed two things which will heavily play into this. One, he wasn't invited to New York. And two, people in the know believed he was the best player in the country and should have, should have won it last year. And by the way, not for nothing, he didn't win an ESPY award either. This guy's pissed. <laughs> uh,
6: well, that, that that's for something. Hey, give him credit for not winning an
9: ESPY.
5: I can't wait till he wins the Heisman and then the national championship, and on the podium he says – I was inspired by not getting that S B last year. Uh, I was really oh.
9: inspired by Megan Rapino, man. I just <laughs> wanted to mention my name.
5: Birdie Fratto wow. straight out of Vegas. You can hear him at the top of the hour. Two AM Eastern time has all sorts of stuff, not only on the Vegas stuff, but on college football, the NFL. We're getting we're getting close, Burn. Thank you for the time. We will be listening at the top of the hour.
9: Thanks, guys. Hall of Fame game, Raiders in Jacksonville week from Thursday. Fantastic. I care more about that than the Espy awards. I, I know
5: that I do. So uh, thank you to Bernie Frato, Uh And, f- uh, yeah, Bernie Frato, top of the hour, straight out of Vegas. Final time this evening. Let's get to Steve DeSager with What's Trending.
8: Before we get to the baseball, the Tennessee Titans signed third-round quarterback Malik Willis from Liberty. The Bengals placed five players on the physically unable to perform list, including running back Samajé Pirine. The Phoenix Suns gave NBA Coach of the Year Monty Williams a long-term extension, according to ESPN. The PGA Tour is in Minnesota and then Michigan these next two weeks. Scott Piercy led the 3M Open by four strokes today when bad weather stopped play. The next Live Golf Tournament is next week in New Jersey. Denny Hamlin earned the NASCAR poll for tomorrow at Pocono and at the World Track and Field Championships in Oregon tonight. The U.S. won the women's 4x100 meter relay, beating Jamaica in an upset in the men's sprint relay. Canada defeated the U.S. To Major League Baseball, the Atlanta Braves sent the Angels to a fifth straight loss, 7-2. Mike Trout still on the injured list. Shohei Otani with his 20th homer, but the Halos have lost 4. 14 of 16. Meanwhile, Austin Riley hit his 28th homer of the season, 15-game hitting streak, with 15 RBIs in that stretch, and batting 435 during the hitting streak. Kyle Wright, 12-4, the winning pitcher, and the Braves, second in the NL East, now a half game behind the Mets, who gave up a two-run homer to Manny Machado and lost 2-1 to the Padres. Chris Bassett, seven strong innings but took the loss. The rest of the Padres had just three hits. They struck out 15 times and still won the game. Blake Snell was 1-5, but got the win for the Padres, five scoreless innings with five strikeouts. The Dodgers have won seven in a row and 18 of their last 20 games after beating the Giants again 4-2. to two. Solo homers from Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, and Freddie Freeman Julio Urias the win against ex-Dodger lefty Alex Wood. Cleveland split a doubleheader at the White Sox, getting three runs top of the ninth to win the opener. But then the White Sox 5-4 winners in the nightcap with two runs bottom of the eighth and an actual good start from Lance Lynn in Chicago. Six scoreless innings, six strikeouts, no decision. Arizona and Madison Bumgarner beat Washington 7-2. Oakland took the late game 3-1 over Texas. Rangers with three errors. Kansas City ended a four-game losing streak with a 6-3 victory over Tampa Bay. Bobby Witt Jr. of the Royals, his 14th homer, and his 19th stolen base. Pittsburgh left 10 men on base and still won a 1-0 game over Miami. St. Louis, a 6 3 winner at Cincinnati. Winning pitcher Stephen Matz lowered his ERA below 6, but left with a strained knee in the 6th inning. Paul Goldschmidt, a solo homer. Milwaukee, still the first place team in the Ed Al Central. Game and a half over the cards. The Brewers and Brandon Woodruff defeated Colorado 9 4. Brewers beat them in 13 innings last night. Baltimore was down to the Yankees and Garrett Colt 3 0 in the 5th. Still came back and beat them tonight, 6 3 even though Aaron Judge had four hits, but the Yankees with runners in scoring position went one for 14. Minnesota was still off last night, this tonight at Detroit. An 8-4 win was their first game since Sunday. Twins All-Star outfielder Byron Buxton out this weekend with a knee injury. Luis Arias, a twins all-star, had three hits in this win tonight. He's batting 342. Cubs in ten innings won at Philadelphia 6-2. Cubs beat him 15-2 last night. This evening at Philly, Kyle Schwarber, three strikeouts and a walk. He's batting 207. Toronto won its fifth straight game, 4-1 at Boston. Alec Manoa, all-star of the win. Jordan Romano, all-star, got the save. Red Sox all-star third baseman Rafael Devers goes on the injured list with a bad hamstring. And on FS1 this afternoon, Houston was a 3-1 winner at Seattle. Last night, the Strohs had ended the Mariners' 14-game winning streak. Today, Seattle Rookie of the Year candidate Julio Rodriguez was out again with a sore wrist. Justin Verlander, the winning pitcher, now 13-3. ERA 1.86. And don't forget the Hall of Fame induction ceremonies for baseball are tomorrow, including David Ortiz and six others. Back to you. Thank you,
5: Steve Disager. This is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. You know what? We have not one, but two big stories I want to get to, including my arch enemy. He's going down hard. Oh, no. Oh, we're discussing that next. You got your SB's rant? Well, me and Jerry West, give and go, baby. That's next, Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, one segment left. Bernie Frado, you just heard from him. You'll hear him at the top of the hour, straight out of Vegas, 2 a.m. Eastern to 6 a.m. Eastern. All right, so Jason, in sports, there are some great rivalries. We got uh, Yankees, Red Sox, Michigan, Ohio State. We have Torres versus Reddick. Uh, it's not really a rivalry. You know, it's kind of like that Michigan Ohio State thing. I mean, I, I basically ran away with it. For people who don't remember, JJ Reddick tried to punk me on something college basketball related, and I ended up being 100% correct. I reminded him of it two or three times, and then he blocked me. Well, I bring it up because JJ Reddick, you know, sticking his foot in his mouth a lot, you know, coming at to Torres, gets punked, came at Bob Cousy, called him a plumber or a fireman, got punked by Bob Cousy. And Jerry West was actually asked about the comments surrounding Bob Cousy. For people who don't remember, again, uh, J.J. Reddick basically said that anybody that played before 1980, you can't compare because it's a bunch of firemen and plumbers who they were playing against. Jerry West, the logo, was asked about J.J. Reddick yesterday on SiriusXM. Here's what he had to say.
9: I know J.J. uh, just a little bit. He's a very smart kid and everything. Tell me what his career looked like. What did he do that was... That determined games. He averaged what? He average twelve points a game in the league.
5: That was serious XM, and shots have been fired. How about eighty-four-year-old Jerry West coming after JJ Redick? Jason, did you hear this? Did you only hear about it because I forced it down you and Bo's throat today? Jerry Redick, J- Jerry I... West calling. Basically, real quick, Jerry West just basically said, uh, yeah, a uh, JJ Redick." You're the plumber and fireman of your generation. Sit down, youngin. Uh, I'm going to teach you a lesson about basketball.
6: Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, I saw it, and I was like, all right, let me look up Jerry West and see why I'm being talked about, because I hadn't seen the Reddick portion. I'm like, what did Jerry West say? What did Jerry West do? And then I realized he so commented on Reddick. I'm like, okay, now I get it. I, it's just kind of funny. Because this is what you get, right? When you say stuff, you get stuff back. And that's kind of what happened to J.J. I understand where J.J. was coming from with his original point. Um, I also understand why guys like Jerry West, Bob Cousy, and the like would then push back against that. The stupidest arguments in sports are the ones about this player would beat this player in this generation because everything's changed physiology has changed even the body structure has changed to some degree in terms of how much faster and bigger and all of a sudden things have just changed but the mindset i think what would be hilarious is like all right so jj says that if you brought bob Cousy into now's basketball this is what bob Cousy would be well what would happen if you put jj reddick in bob Cousy's day would he just dominate like that or would he experience things he's never seen before? It's just kind of one of those things that happens when you talk a lot for a living and you also seem to get more attention when you say certain things. And we've seen that, especially when you get on TV. It seems like guys deteriorate a little. I think Reddick's really good on TV. I really enjoy his commentary. But I've seen moments where he has kind of teetered on the brink of, I feel like this has hap- this has happened to Dan Orlovsky. Orlovsky, very early on, was excellent. Uh, before he was on TV at all, we booked him on Fox, and I thought he was awesome, especially breaking down quarterbacks. He was raw. He was willing to talk and all this stuff. Now a lot of what he says, I'm just like, I don't know if I believe that you believe that. I, I can't tell. I don't know if this is TV Orlovsky or if this is Dan, and Dan's always been really genuine. So he may. this may just be how it is, but it seems like he's become more of a TV persona. And I think that's what happened to Reddick. I find this funny, and I think it's it's funny that West, who, look, West ain't going to take any slights either. A lot of these old-school guys are not going to sit there and tolerate this. What he's saying about Reddick's pretty funny because I think Redick had a better career than many thought he was going to have in the pros. He actually had a really good career. He was really helpful to a lot of different teams. Um, he was more able to transfer what he did at Duke to the pro game than a lot of people assumed that he was going to be able to do. But, yeah, if you're J.J. Redick and you comment on legends, they're going to come back and say, how dare you comment on legends when you can't even spell the word, certainly not when it's placed next to your name because no one would ever accuse you of being a legend. And, of course, Torres, you got into it with him, so I'm sure you got great joy out of this and decided that in winning time season two – uh, who's gonna play you in that in that series? <laughs> because you, if Jay, if Jerry West is back, if he's part of it, then you've got to be there somewhere.
5: Yeah, it's funny because I, you know I didn't know if if I just had extra interest in this story because Reddick chirped at me and then I chirped back and then he blocked me. Um but I, I, it was the number 1 trending topic on a bunch of websites this morning so I decided to to kind of play into it. Uh, a couple things. One, I, I do, first of all, I agree with the idea that when you do what we do for a living, when you talk all day every day, there's going to be 20 30 second clips that are taken out of context. Um, or even not even taking out of context, you just you're not going to be perfect every single day, and you're going to say stuff that looks dumb in hindsight. So yes. for one, it's mostly fun. The one thing I will say is a couple of things. One, I'm with you on the comparing eras. It's so dumb because we've talked about it. Um, you know, no, you can't compare the athletes of now with the training they have now, with the meal planning they have now, with the skills coaches they have now to 1940. But also put Kyrie Irving in 1940 when he has to go work a job during the, we can't even get Kyrie Irving to show up for most of his games now he's got to go work a second job during the summer let's see him or Ben Simmons or James Harden or whoever so it's two different eras two different whatever
6: actually I need to see I need to see Ben Simmons work his first job for before any we worry job about his second job yeah, a lot of like jo- he, I need to see him work in the basketball job first yes,
5: a lot of jokes this uh, last couple weeks about Ben Simmons showing up to more uh, Nets summer league games than he did his own team's games during the regular season lastly what I would just say really quickly on that is Jerry West for people who do not know um, you could put it dude averaged 46 points in in a single playoff series, okay? I I don't care what era. By the way, he played with Wilt Chamberlain, who's maybe the greatest athlete to ever play the game, I would say, maybe outside LeBron James. Guy was an unbelievable athlete. Elgin Baylor was an all-time athlete. So it's not as though, like, Jerry West, okay, you want to talk about Koozie, you know, in the first iteration of the NBA, whatever. Jerry West averaged 46 points per game uh, in one playoff series. That dude could play in any era. Really quick, Jason, I did want to get to another kind of well, I think that first one was a feel-good story. But this is de- <laughs> this is definitely a feel-good story. Uh, I want to give a quick shout-out. I saw this on social media right before we came on. Uh, Hansel Emanuel, for people who do not know, Google the name. Uh, he is a high school basketball player. He lost an arm, uh, tragically, obviously, in a, uh, he grew up in Haiti, I believe, and there, I think it was, it might have been during the earthquake or, or early in his life. Uh, there was an accident in his house, and he lost his arm. Okay, um, but that is the sad part. The not sad part earlier today. Uh, he's taken up basketball the last couple of years. He's a senior in high school, and he just committed to Northwestern State Division One. And go ahead and find his clips on YouTube or on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. The kid can play, and I just think in a world where everybody's looking for sympathy, everybody's looking for be- to be a victim, this kid, one arm, got a scholarship today to Northwestern State. want to congratulate him on his success.
6: I don't even know what to say to that other than I'm glad that you pointed it out to me because I hadn't seen it. and You mentioned it during the break, and I was just like, yep, that's exactly the way you need to end the show. Something to remind you that there are people out there that that just deserve all the accolades that have fought through so much, and now I just want to see this kid succeed, uh, and and hopefully he will, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about him much more on FSR.
5: (laughs) Thank you to the crew, producer Bo, Don, Steve DeSager. Thank you to Jason Martin. For Aaron Torres, this is Fox Sports Radio. Bernie Frato next. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every
1: sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.